So, uh, uh, I saved you from a fucking zombie. Uh, I gave you some noodles. Uh, if you want some more noodles, they're over there near my copy of, uh, Psychos in Love in my Full House collection. Uh, you, uh, wait. I see, where are you going? I saved you from a zombie. What? Where you? Uh, uh, Arriva Dirty, girl I rescued from a zombie. Welcome to Trick or Treat Radio. Welcome to episode 16 of Trick or Treat Radio. This is Johnny Wolfenstein, and I'm joined by Dynamo Mars. Hello. Hello, Dynamo. And we're also joined by Tiny White. Hey, everybody. I, that's not what I thought you were going to no, say. I, no, I'm gonna, we're going to skip it. We're going to let it simmer. We're going to let it simmer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot coming up tonight. We got Jim Smith from Teal is going to be joining us once again. We're going to talk to Jim about the new Deftones album about horror movies, about uh, flux capacitors, all kinds of cool stuff. So we're going to have Jim coming up later on in the show. We're also going to have a discussion with Michael Ravenshadow about funny books and some other news in the entertainment world. And we also have Monster Zero coming up. We're going to be reviewing one of his films, Blood Pigs. That, I'm sure, will be a treat, folks. So make sure you check that out. Uh, before we get going, Dynamo, you had mentioned a new podcast that you've been listening to that you wanted to mention on air. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty excited. Um, my friend Emily of Deadly Dollhouse uh, fame, which is a great, uh, a great uh, blog, deadlydollhouse.blogspot, um, she has a new uh, podcast called The Feminine Critique. Um, it's set up like a lot of movie podcasts. They um, you know, pick a couple of flicks that are, are uh, marginally... Um, connected in some way, whether it be thematically or by an actor um, or whatnot. Um, and they just uh, review it. This week they did um, a De Palma flick. Uh, last week they did Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but it's great. It's it's with uh, Christine, who is uh, one of the founders of uh, Paris Cinema Magazine, which is a great genre magazine. Um, it, it's awesome. It's, it's a... It's a uh, it's funny that they make a big deal of uh, it being a female-based podcast because, you know, they do talk about, uh, you know, a, a stray cute boy here or there. Um, but really, you can tell that they're just both, like, you know, really knowledgeable, really big film fans. And, uh, you know, they get down to business. It's great. So uh, you can search that on iTunes. It's The Feminine uh, Critique. You can email them at thefemininecritique at yahoo.com. Um, or you can uh, look them up on Tumblr um, at the... Uh, or a Twitter, rather, sorry, at The Feminine Critique, um, you know, and, and check them out. It's, it's a good podcast, and uh, I was looking for a new good podcast, and that definitely fit the bill. Hey, Dynamo. Not counting the super nerdy Star Wars one. <laughs> hey, Dynamo, why, don't, why doesn't Trick or Treat Radio get together with The Feminine Critique and get down to business, as you just said, huh? Why don't we make that happen? <laughs> not going to make that happen, Dynamo? No. When you swear a sound lord... Speechless. 
Yeah, when you swear I sound lord sometimes, you sound like Eddie Murphy impersonating a white person. <laughs> Let's get down like... with those guys. <laughs> I, I did not try to sound lord. <laughs> well, it, comes, it comes naturally. Right. <laughs> Some days well, I wonder if you flew out of your mother with a pedophile van. <laughs> well, they're ladies and we're dudes, you know? It's true. It is true. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll definitely be checking. 100% that of that statement is 100% true. <laughs> yeah. 100% of the time. If I could be serious for a moment, I just had something I wanted to bring up here. So, you know, this is sort of real life stuff, but uh, a, a, a part of our family, the Wolfenstein family, has uh, left us this week. Uh, the awesome cat Snickers was used to hang out with the Deadites for uh, for a long time. Sure. And uh, Snickers would be there when we we're hanging out playing wrestling games, when we we're just hanging out watching wrestling or doing other wrestling related things. Snickers was there. And Snickers even held the Nostra bonus dollar for <laughs> an unprecedented 13 years now, I think. Yeah. Bob Backlund so, style. San Martino style. Absolutely. So Snickers had beat Psycho Patrick in a staring contest and is and has yet to relinquish and will go down in the history as the Nostra bonus champion. So right now, Snickers is in kitty heaven, uh, teaming up with Smokey to form the feline tandem. And I'm sure they're going to be holding on to those tag team titles for a very long time. So just wanted to get that, get that out of the way, mention that because, uh, you know, just like Phineas T. Ferb, Snickers was a, was a part of the deadites for a while. So this is kind of a sad week for, for a lot of us, but, and that's why we do the show. We could get to the funny so we can have fun and forget about some of that real life stuff every now and then. Now that we get the serious stuff out of the way, let's, let's get the stuff that pays the bills out of the way. Although it hasn't really been paying the bills because nobody's buying shit. So, but we'll do it anyways. That's, that's the way we do it here. We have an EP. It's called the big scary monster hunts at midnight and it's available on iTunes Google Music, Amazon, Spotify, CD Baby, and all other digital distribution sites. So go ahead and just go search for The Big Scary Monster Hunts at Midnight. That's our four-song EP, and it features an awesome intro by the great Kevin Barbary. So be sure to check that out, and if you dig it, give us a five-star review. Even if you don't dig it, we'll appreciate a five-star review. The way you can interact with us, the Deadites, you can go to thedeadites.com. That's our big umbrella site. Everything we do is pretty much on that site. You can look through the the history. We have monster hunting tips from Tiny White. We have photos throughout the years, videos, music, all sorts of stuff. So check that out. Find us on YouTube. The Deadites TV is our username there. On Facebook, just do a search for The Deadites. And on Twitter, at The Deadites. And the show you're listening to right now, Trick or Treat Radio, is available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. We've had a shortage of five-star reviews lately, so I'm hoping that everyone who listens to this podcast that even digs it a little bit goes to iTunes, gives us that five-star review, because honestly, I think Bill Gates and Steve Jobs both hate us right now. So if we could get in their good graces with a few five-star reviews, it would be very favorable. Also, if you guys would like to leave us a voicemail, go to trickortreatradio.com. There's a little button on the right-hand side that says send voicemail. Click that. A little window will pop up. You can hit record, record straight from the microphone on your computer. Leave us a message. We'll be sure to play it on air. We have a few messages coming up later on in the show. Finally, we just started a Facebook group. So if you're on Facebook and you dig the Facebook, 
we have Trick or Treat Radio. There's a group now, so we'll be discussing the topics that will be coming up on the show, discussing the episodes, all sorts of fun stuff, and maybe Dynamo will even uh, show, I don't know, nude pictures or something like that on there. Oh, no, I did no, drum up no, a little no. business last night. You did? I noticed that was that yeah. was awesome. My my huge popularity makes such a difference. You guys should thank me for not dying <laughs> this week. You're, right. huge, you're huge something or other. It's true. You know what I like to do with the Monston D tips, by the way? Every time I receive a head injury um, and, and have a bad memory, I go read them again so that the uh, eight-year-old Monston D tips are like new. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? That's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Although we we do have a monster hunting tip on there is the one about vampires tiny I believe that yeah. that was crazy it went viral like we had people like tons of people commenting on it from all over the world yeah that's right yes absolutely from uh, Romania I think and uh, one of the, one of the people uh, commented on uh, a relation with one of the people from the three uh, families which mm-hmm. I have no uh, clue what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Brady Bunch, the Partridge family, and the Olsons. It's a, it's a possibility, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll have to look into that. I, I, I thought we already took care of all those old, old uh, families, but I guess not. Maybe they're coming back. Apparently. Somebody, somebody's <laughs> left over. Before we call that, uh, that freak of nature in a second, uh, can I just tell you guys about the crazy family that I saw in real life? Oh, please. So I'm at Dunkin' Donuts, double D's, if you will, um, and I'm getting a delicious coffee. My new my new tandem, coffee and Sprite Zero, available at Dunkin' Donuts. Check it out. It's delicious. And um, Wait, I look over, and there's a family, right? Pay for that spot? Uh, yes. There's okay. a family. Yeah, but these people probably, they probably have to after this tragedy was going on. <laughs> there's a family that had three boxes of pizza. Mm-hmm. On their table, mm-hmm. okay. One in, two in liter. Donuts. Okay. Yes, one two liter of Coke. Okay. Uh, one thing of Windex wipes. <laughs> okay. And one can of whipped cream. What about what about coffee or uh, donuts? Zero donuts. Zero <laughs> coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't say that you cannot bring food from the outside in, does it? Yeah, you cannot. The board, it's actually, and you can't do that anywhere. It's a board of health edict because of food allergies and stuff like that. You can't, you can't bring like Burger King into McDonald's or whatever else, like, um, because you know certain places are responsible for what, what type of food that they have. You know, right. I don't think that the two meat Greek girls were going to say anything to the fucking Leatherface family here, but, and they were arguing about pro wrestling, which made things even better. But. Really amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was outrageous, and the and two of the men had winter coats and green winter boots on already. Wow, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's, it was classic, ducky classic. Those those kind of creepy families get by on the fact that nobody's going to call them out on bringing that oh, crap no to Dunkin' Donuts. Who's oh, going to walk? Who's had... going to walk over to a table full of people and there's there's Windex wipes and they're going to call, call them out on being there and, and tell them cream. You know, and whipped cream. And cream. And no less than six loose leaf binders. That, that's like that's like spitting in a, white, a great white shark's eyeball. Yeah. It's something so, that you just don't do. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was outrageous. There's actually it wasn't a very good picture because I was pretending I I was like really animatingly like whoop I got a text whoop can't see it in this light and took a picture mm-hmm. and then they all turned at me like it like uh, like Stepford Wives style at the same time. Um, so it's not a good picture, but if you go on my Facebook page, um, you can see that there's a picture of it. 
of their table. You I, they, I will... Somebody put a hand in the way of the whipped cream, though, which is... Ah, uh, that's tragic. Sort of the centerpiece of the thing. So, all right. So, on, on you know, from one freak of nature onto another, I guess. <laughs> Wait, what What time is it right now, Dynamo? Time for noodles. Yeah. <laughs> 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 noodles. Uh, it's yeah. time to... Are you ready? Yeah. Say it with me. Okay. Strap in. Strap on. Ah, oh, fuck. In. Jesus. I, I was looking at uh, Sir Isaac had posted something on our Facebook group uh, about that about that saying. Did, did you guys happen to catch that by any chance? Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. So once again, if you're not on the Facebook group, go take a look, Trick or Treat Radio, and you'll see the funny stuff that's on there. Yeah, you won't right. see, but you'll have to listen to hear funny things like him say him complain that we put out three hours of content a couple of weeks ago and how hard it was for him to listen to all of it. So he could tell us he didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also you'll get a special treat if you go there because there's a picture of monster zero chopping off the head of a zombie mm-hmm. from the movie blood pigs. And we're just about to talk about that. I, I don't know if the world is ready for this review. What do you think? Let's be honest. We're just going to like, uh, he, he couldn't get any more shit on if he was in Joey Tron cell right now. <laughs> <laughs> this picture, this picture of Monster Zero is 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 a spinning image of him at the uh, spaghetti and meatballs all you can eat buffet. <laughs> There's it's an it's an action shot and he just looks like he's digging in. The the best part of the movie was like it, anyone who bought that movie got to see the Gorgonite tattoo and the wizard tattoo in full effect. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I guess this is an actual spelling of the name. But I've never seen the name Jonathan spelled the way that they spell it in the credits. It looks like it's Jonathan. So I'm going to refer to Monster Zero as Jonathan. It's Jonathan? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never seen Jonathan spelled that way. So that's that's that, when you're when you're Jonathan for a really long time. You, you that's what you become. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, let's get that that motherfucker on here. Oh shit! Can I say that? Why not? All right, I guess it's too late now. Yes. Hey, what's up, Jonathan? Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I got to say about that. All right, it was good talking to you. Okay, all Santa. Right, I'll kill it. All right, <laughs> all right, all right Mazda Zero. For real, we're, we're going to do this. We're not ending there. We got some really awesome stuff to talk about this week. Tell me first, how was your week? My week? My week's yeah. been uh, busy. Busy? Yeah. Yeah. Be, uh, why why do you ask that question? You never asked that before. <laughs> I have. We wanted to know if you were hoarding noodles. The fuck you, you, uh, you got something up your fucking sleeve. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> we're reviewing your movie. I don't have to have anything up my sleeve. Mm, okay. All right. Well, let's get to it, man. All right, well, we're joined by Dynamo and Tiny this week. Dynamo and Tiny, what's happening, bros? Hey, bud. How are you? Doing. All right. So, if you tuned in last week, Monster Zero was was originally had us reviewing Megan is Missing, but Dynamo wanted no part of that. Yeah, Dynamo all of a sudden grew up pussy over what he calls his balls. (laughs) (laughs) Sir, this is not the week I would fire the first shot. That's absolutely the worst visual of um, probably of all time. I just I think I threw up in my mouth just then. 
<laughs> well, he needs to get all the shots in that he can right now. Because we're going to be firing him back at him. So, yeah. Oh, big surprise. All right. <laughs> all Monster right. Zero, Blood Pigs. Tell us why you picked this movie. Because, uh, well, it's, it's just like as you said. Dynamo didn't have the ball to watch Megan, Megan is missing. Yep. And so uh, I, I don't know who thought of it. I think it was you, uh, Johnny, that uh, mentioned uh, to, to uh, watch Blood Pigs. So it wasn't my, my, it wasn't my idea. I just it had nothing to do with balls. Idea, I didn't want you to steal my time again. <laughs> You're like You're an what? evil Doctor Who. You take my time. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. And the way things have been, and the way you've been uh, talking about building this up for blood pigs, doesn't sound like it's all that much different. So let's just get around to it. <laughs> I liked, I liked blood pigs. Okay, so let me set this up. Blood pigs was released in 2010. It's not rated. It's 85 minutes long, and the brief little synopsis here is 99% of the world has been destroyed by a biochemical war. Technology is obsolete, and the soil has been polluted, leaving people with barely any food. So that's that's where we begin our journey here. I, I imagine this is going to be difficult for you to review Monster Zero since you lived it. So I made, I made sure to watch the movie, and I did take some notes. I took four pages of notes. So, <laughs> all right, maybe not four pages. I took I took some notes though. First of all, let let me just say that actually let let me go through. Directed and written by Brian Pollen from Morbid Visions. Is that right, Monster Zero? That's true. Okay, and this actually has a favorable rating on IMDb, better than the last few films that we've uh, reviewed. <laughs> It, it has a 6.2 from uh, out of 10 from 16 users. So still, that's that's a pretty good pretty good rating, mm-hmm. comparatively speaking. All right, first let me just let me preface this by saying I think that it's awesome that Brian has made several films now, mm-hmm. and it, it's pretty much and you can you can verify this Monster Zero. It's pretty much a skeleton crew, right? It's just a few people working on the movie. People are doing several different roles. And trying to get the shit done. Would you say that that's accurate? That's that's very accurate. It was a very small cast. Uh, whoever played zombies was played by uh, by the cast and the crew, and the cast was the crew. So I mean, uh, honestly, I don't know the complete uh, total amount of people that were you know cast and crew, but uh, I would say, I wouldn't be so shocked to say twenty people overall made this movie. Cool. 22, yeah. 23 tops, maybe. It looks like uh, the cast is 15 people. So, I don't know. That's that's just the front page. It's not the full cast and crew. So, it's, uh, you're probably right. It's probably about 15 to 20. Pardon? I don't mean to be too technical, but that would actually be a people crew. A skeleton crew would be run entirely by skeletons. <laughs> that's true, yeah. Uh, let's, let's, get our, let's get our facts straight. Who did, the, who did the continuity editing on this? I know you get all fired up about that stuff. <laughs> Rich Uncle Skeleton. It was edited by Brian Paulin. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, first, let me let me just say that. So, I've uh, fancied myself an auteur, if you will, a filmmaker, and I have not made a film. So, the fact that Brian has made several films, he gets major, major props in in my eyes. So, mm-hmm. we like because, Brian definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I I may have some some harsh things to say 
coming up soon. So I want to make sure I get that out of the way and say that it's awesome that he's able to been, been able to make these films and they're, you know, moderately successful. Like Monster Zero, you're in Japan right now. You're in a movie in Japan. That's I pretty am. And, Yeah. And, and it's been the film that he did prior to this, uh, a film called Fetus that, kind of, that was released in 2008. that uh, just got released in Japan back in June on DVD. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm known all over the world now. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think the the other thing too is I think this won an award, didn't it? Get a, like a a, a write in award from Rue Morgue or something like that for the uh, goriest film of the year of two thousand ten yeah. or something like that. Yeah, wow, yeah, exactly. Uh, Rue Morgue, the readers of Rue Morgue, they did a poll, and uh, which is uh, and it got voted by the readers of Rue Morgue as the goriest film of two thousand ten, which is really amazing considering that the film came out in October. And that issue of Rue Moore came out in either December or January. I don't know which. So, I mean, it only had a, 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 a couple of months for it to build up that kind of a, quote-unquote, I guess you could say, reputation, early reputation of being a really bloody, gory film. And there were, a lot, there were plenty of gore films back, you know, in 2010. So for this film to achieve that recognition so... So soon after its release is, is really quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm looking uh, at morbidvisionfilms.com, and it looks like the site's down, unfortunately. So I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna recommend people go there to to purchase the movie. But uh, do you know of anywhere else they might be able to get it by any chance, Monster Zero? Oh, I'm sure they might be able to get it at uh, on eBay. Okay. So it's out there. If if you yeah, folks just yeah. search, I'm sure. Or Amazon, Amazon, always try Amazon. Those are always, a, you know. I mean, if you could get the Japanese blood, uh, not blood pigs, but Japanese uh, fetus uh, on on Amazon Japan, then uh, I'm sure you could get uh, blood pigs on Amazon USA. So. Okay, so from the trunk of my car. <laughs> So if you're interested in checking out this film, it's out there. Just just do a search. You'll be able to find it. I, I do – let me just first say before we get dive into this, I do recommend checking it out, especially if you're a fan of gore. It's it's definitely right up your alley. So now, Dynamo, do you, do you want to go ahead first? Do you want me to, to say a few more words about this? Well, it, it's up to you. I, I, I mean, I think I'm going to be – with the exception of um, our cohort here, I, I think I'm I'm – a little more in favor of this than you. There's, there's only really one thing that bothered me, but what I have that our listeners may not have is I knew what I was putting in my my PlayStation Three, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because I'm I'm aware of, of of what Brian does and how he does it and how it's set up. And I think in in uh, there there are a couple things in here that showed how talented of a filmmaker he could he is, um, and you know, it, it, I don't think anyone that's seen any of his work, especially this film, um, or my favorite work of uh, his Bone Sickness, is going to doubt that he's a a, a, a double plus uh, makeup artist. This film looked to be filmed at like, and I'm certainly not a filmmaker, and all of my attempts at directing have have gone disastrously. So I may not have the terminology correct, but this looks like this was filmed at like some crazy weird shutter speed. Like everything, like had this weird jerky look to it, and I've seen him use that some before, but uh, 
like I, I feel like it was a little more flavoring before, and through this, it was for the entire entire film. It, it just looked weird, and to me, was distracting. As a testament to how brilliant of a filmmaker and a good editor Brian is, he um, made you look like an action star uh, at a certain time. So that was pretty incredible. Like mm-hmm. he made Monster Zero look like he could defend himself. So that was outstanding, though my favorite scene in the whole film is when you bust it in to save the girl from the zombie, you know, and you cut up the zombie and rescued her. And even a girl in the post-apocalyptic landscape that you rescue isn't happy to see you. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know what? I have that. Let let me play that dialogue right now. Okay. Jesus Christ. Are you okay? Yeah, I just came here to sleep and they came out of nowhere. Yeah. They've been hiding in places rather than just roaming around. But I could take it to a safe house. Name's Jonathan. Samantha. You sure it's alright? I mean, I don't want to be a pain in the ass. You won't be. Besides, it'd be nice to have some company for a change. Come on, let's get out of here. Monster Zero, that that was a very Shakespearean delivery there. Well, thank you. Uh, You know, I went to the uh, Shakespeare School of Arts in London, England to learn how to do shit like that, and it was not (laughs) easy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know? and and that's also followed up by my favorite line, Dynamo. Do you want to do you want to go ahead and play that one out? Yeah, yeah. You know which one I'm talking about. Oh yeah, of course. Thank you so much. I was starving. It's not a problem at all. I got plenty of noodles over there. What kind of meat is that? You didn't actually find an animal out here, did you? No, I I cut meat from one of those dead things out there. You're kidding, right? No, I became desperate. I watched a program where they trained special forces units to live off rotting pieces of meat with maggots all over them in case they got stranded somewhere. (laughs) I figured this was the same concept. Did it ever make you sick? The first time I did it, I totally grossed myself out. But I figure if I cook it thoroughly, completely... It should be okay. <laughs> that was the uh, the noodle line. Yep. So, Monster Zero, maybe you can answer this for me, but you guys are eating zombie flesh, right? Because there's no food? Correct. Why the fuck do you have noodles? <laughs> you tell the girl you have noodles. You have all the noodles you can eat. And if you haven't, why are you eating zombie for? Yeah, why are you eating zombies? Well, let me tell you. You know, I, I, hey, there's a good reason for that, and I'm going to tell you. So right, shut okay, up, right. and I'll tell you. All right? <laughs> yep. The reason is because I have no reason. I have no idea why. Maybe, 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 maybe the character was was keeping them for himself and hoping he could get a little boom boom with the chick if he offered up some noodles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Could be. You're, maybe, you're, maybe, maybe, maybe. You, Who knows? That, off- that might be in the sequel. Who knows? You can offer up your noodle. Did I'll, I offer ba- her my noodle? No, I didn't. <laughs> I'll back you up on this. I, I I once tried to survive on ramen noodles for three weeks, and it did not go so well. It really didn't go. I've never felt like such an empty vessel, <laughs> just filled with absolutely nothing. I think I I think I actually my soul started to seep out of my my uh, my orifices on in those three weeks when I was living just on noodles. So. so- you know, give, so, given the option, I, but I mean, honestly, were you any, hungry enough to eat corpse? Yeah, I mean, any <laughs> rational person in a post-apocalyptic landscape like this would put, you know, cooked zombie flesh in the noodles and eat it. 
So you offered the girl noodles and, and you didn't even get any action. I mean, no, man. I didn't. I didn't. It was it was a totally pointless move on my part, and and uh, I regret it even to this day. You should have tried tiny <laughs> chef Gore ID. <laughs> well, with, the, with the big with the big poofy white hat and the gray mustache. <laughs> So uh, uh, just so just I'll, I'll pound through this uh, like real real quick. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually a fan of Prime, and, and I I know what he does and what he doesn't do, and I would love to see what he did with like a a, a full script written by somebody else, um, uh, because I think he's got a lot of talent, um, and, and I think he's got a a, a a real 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 great future, especially as an FX guy. And if you are, if this is your bag, this low budget filmmaking, um, this, you know, micro budget, do it yourself, uh, punk rock style filmmaking is what you're into, then you will enjoy this and you will enjoy. I think this is a lesser of a zombie film than bone sickness by a lot. But I, I think that this is, I think that this is a, you know, if you're a zombie film fan, uh, or you're a fan of this sort of micro budget filmmaking, I definitely say, check this out. Now, my one kavat is um you actor actor pelosi <laughs> it, like you just I, I would watch you on a movie all day long like you should have a television show like <laughs> like <laughs> honest to god like i would listen all day long like the i, I probably rewound the noodle thing like a hundred times <laughs> i think i got well help yourself i got plenty of noodles over there <laughs> Well, I guess my, I guess noodles didn't get a t- get didn't get uh, 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 ravaged by the uh, post-apocalyptic uh, zombie warfare that's no, going on all over the world. Z- yeah, apparently zombies hate ramen noodles. Maybe maybe that's what we got to take from, from this whole movie is that zombies hate ramen noodles. Even the what I took flavor. from it is that you are not a nurse and this is not the Red Cross. You're goddamn right. You're goddamn just, right. Yeah, just, I'm yeah, not this a nurse. My shit, asshole. <laughs> and this is not the fucking red cross. Here, now, now that you mention that, let's go ahead and play that line right now. Oh, Jesus. Rob, what the hell were you thinking? You let a sick, pregnant woman come in here? David found her and she needed help. What were we supposed to do? Oh, for God's sakes. I'm not the fucking red cross and I'm no nurse. When we let David and his family stay here, we swore, we promised that we weren't going to turn this place into a shelter. What were we supposed to do? Let her die out there? For two years after the war, I took care of mom and dad. And I watched them rot to death in front of my own eyes. I couldn't save them. What makes you think I'm going to waste my time on these people? I think they should leave. Jonathan, we are not kicking them out. I'm sorry I wasn't there to help you with mom and dad that first year, but you're not taking it out on them. Yeah, well, I'm not going to take part in your little nursery here. I'm leaving. <laughs> it's not the, the Red Cross. <laughs> the delivery on that was amazing, Monster Zero. You, you I, have a... You have about five lines in this movie, and man, you really get your your, your full your full worth out of these lines. How about when he's oh, not yeah. kill the little? He doesn't want to kill the little girl, and the little girl's yeah. all badass, like putting a blade to her her thing. Yeah. He's, he's crying, like meanwhile, Monster Zero's crying like a bitch on a big wheel. 
And he's like, <laughs> Come he, he's like, he's like, he's like, I, c- I can't do I it. I can't, I can't do I it. I can't do that. <laughs> I and the, and do I will it, say, I, anyway. I, I will say that this is definitely the, uh, the first, uh, post-apocalyptic film that I have ever seen that was obviously uh, filmed in Rhode Island. Because there was some there was some A-plus accents in this movie, for sure. <laughs> Jonathan! Well, well, I mean, hey, it's a, it's a post-apocalyptic world. It's a post-apocalyptic world, and uh, Rhode Island is a part of the world. Maybe some people don't want to admit that, and to some, that's understandable. But, hey, it's on the map. It's out there. So zombies do raid Rhode Island just as much as they raid Italy or Philadelphia or uh, anywhere else. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> He's right. He's right. I, I love that 99% of the world has been destroyed. That 1% is Rhode Island, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the world is gone. <laughs> the park Sox are still keeping a steady schedule. <laughs> the only people who are alive live in Rhode Island. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't move. All right. Well, let me let me address a few things that you guys have brought up right now. Oh, okay. I haven't even started yet, but go ahead. Okay. Well, Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. I can. Yeah, that's another thing I can never understand is why is Jonathan and not Jonathan. I walked I away at one point and thought that. it was who's the boss. <laughs> Jonathan. Mona. Oh, that kid. Ma- Mona. <laughs> Samantha. <laughs> All right, all right. Samantha, Angela, <laughs> Mona, Jonathan. <laughs> all right. Uh, it, 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 look, this movie is it's it's a gore film. That's all it is. It, it's not there for the storyline. You know, it could be a paper thin storyline. Nobody would care. It, it's not about the acting. The acting. The acting can be shitty. No one would care. This is about gore and violence and blood and the special effects are in the film. And that's the real star of this movie. It's none of us. It's Brian Pollan's no, uh, no shit, Sherlock. special effects. <laughs> what was that? What? Jesus. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. It's not about yeah. the spelling. <laughs> it's about the gore and the violence and, and the effects that Brian puts. Because Brian puts together these amazing effects. Oh yeah, and some of them I just I, I just can't believe how well they turn out. Now uh, the uh, shutter speed that you were talking about, dynamite, that is not Brian's fault. That happened. That was not his intention. That happened when he sent the uh, he sent the film to the DVD companies. Uh, whoever whoever prints these out, whoever burns these out, I have no idea. But. Uh, for some reason, this is how this is the result of the transfer. Hmm. Uh, nothing could be fixed about it. They, you know, he looked into it and everything like that, but nothing could be done about it. For some reason or other, nobody seems to know. Brian, I don't. I don't think Brian knows. Um, I have no idea. But it was just the transfer. That's why you get that shutter speed look. It I, is. I actually do. I actually have a theory. And in all seriousness, I th- I think it was obviously filmed in DV, right? It was a digital video camera. I believe so, yes. So, and that film's at 30 frames per second. Mm-hmm. I bet they transferred it in 24 because it, I think when they did, they, they it was just, 
done at the wrong frames per second because I've run into that with editing and doing other stuff. And I really think that it has something to do with that. And they probably did it and didn't, didn't want to fix it or didn't know how to, or something. That's just my, my theory, because you can tell there's during the fast action shots, Mm -hmm. it it just is really jumpy. And other times it's, it's not as noticeable, but when the camera moves quickly, um, it's, it's like not catching up. So there's definitely something with the frames per second there. And DV is, is 30 frames per second. And most films are obviously film is 24. So I, I really think it had something to do with those, with the six frames per second difference. Yeah. <laughs> well, if, that, if, that, if that's the reason, then that, that might be it. I mean, Brian might know. I'm, I, I mean, I would think that he would know better than anybody. Right. Um, but you know, I, that's, you know, it's, it's it's it was a complaint about the film when it was first released, and I'm talking about how everything is all sh- you know uh, blurred and uh, and sh- and shadowed and uh, mm-hmm. colors bleeding a little bit here and there and, and things like that. But uh, the shutter speed, yeah, that's what really kind of hurt the film. It's not a, it's now the, the film has an overall. The shutter speed made my... that guy's tattoos look awful. <laughs> now now uh the um the sword fight that me and rich george have that took that took all day to do man that and that was only like two actual two minutes maybe if that that took all day to do yeah rich and, george is uh, a fucking man by the way in my opinion rich george is a fucking what he's the man like Oh, he, he, did all, he did all the stunts and bone sickness at the end and stuff like that, the fire stunt. And, yeah, well, and uh, flipping like over cars. Where I grab, the scene where I grab the uh, the blades, and, or does he grab the blade? I'm trying to remember. I think he grabs the blade. <laughs> he does. Yeah, he, he throws the sword into the woods and he, and to get yeah. moves the, He jabs the sword and I get thrown to the ground or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's all. That, we learned that trauma style. Uh, to uh, spin the camera oh. upside down. Don't and mention that to Dynamo, so, please. Hey, hey, fuck Dynamo. <laughs> and, and, and son of a bitch worked. So uh, we thank Lloyd Coffin for that. Do you mind if I go through my list here? Yeah, sure. Okay, so if you want to respond to them, feel free. I'll, I'll leave a brief pause after each one. But once again, let me reiterate. This this is a finished film, and that's far more than anyone else in this world has done. People have tried to make films and have yet and have not succeeded. So I give Brian and <laughs> well, you... not anyone else. They have these movie theater things that are fucking rotten with those movies. <laughs> like some people have finished them. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification, Dynamo. Um, so I just want to make that clear that you know, even though I have some critique. I really think that it's that it's a cool movie and it's awesome that you guys are able to make this with such a small budget, with such a small crew and all that stuff. So I know that everyone has to take on many different roles. So when I complain about certain aspects of it, it's it's you know, I'm taking that into account and I know that. But one of the things that really bugged me about this movie and it it could be because I watched it with headphones. I actually watched it on my computer with headphones is that the foley in this movie is really bad the the sound there's like a constant like uh, 
I don't know, like there's like constantly like humming winds and like this evil demonic like sound in the background. There's never a moment of silence at all in the entire movie. Mm. And even when there's indoor shots, even when they were down in the, you know, like in the ground in that little cave thing, you could still hear the wind whipping so loud and it was almost covering up the dialogue. And that really bothered me. Now, I understand Brian's probably trying to create a certain atmosphere with 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 the audio, but it just did not sell me on it. And it was is almost sort of annoying. It I don't know if it was to cover up inconsistencies with the dialogue because some dialogue was really quiet some was really loud you could hear a lot of noise in the background with like you could tell like there was either like microphones or static or something so i don't know if it was just to sort of cover all that stuff up but it was really distracting for me and once again i listened on headphones i'm sure most people aren't doing that they're probably watching it on tv with a sound system and it probably isn't nearly as noticeable but that was one thing that really bugged me about the film now, you weren't watching that outside during Hurricane Sandy by any chance, were you? No, I was. Oh, well, yeah, maybe that, maybe that's it. Oh, you know what? Maybe I didn't put two and two together. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, you know, the sound is, is typical Morbid Vision because he has that kind of thing going on in all his films, really. It's not just Blood Pigs. And, uh, and some of it can be a little distracting. Now, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that, that, that you can rip into this film about, and you guys seem to have uh, uh, listed quite a few things. But overall, the film is not a terrible film. It's actually pretty good. It's also very, uh, for, for a lot of sound that comes out, there's very little dialogue in this film. And uh, the same thing can be said for Fetus's movie that he did before this. Uh, where he has very, very little dialogue. And I don't know if that's because he wants to concentrate more on the on the action or progressing the storyline through action, or um, maybe he's just trying to uh, recreate a uh, lost art of the silent movie to, to a certain extent. I don't know. Um, well, I would want to hear see him use some more dialogue in his films to carry the storyline instead of just... Uh, instead of just the action the thing i think and you know brian is is a good filmmaker i think though i think his movies and you've pretty much acknowledged that monster zero is that they're just a vehicle for gore it's just like here you go here's a loose story we're just gonna do this because you need to do that for a movie and it's all gore and special effects and that's where brian really excels because that's what makes this movie. And you're right. The gore is the star of the movie. It's not the actors. It's not the story. It's nothing else. It's the gore. And now I have, I have a problem with that. Me being a story guy, I, I have a problem with that. Why not try to make a good story? You know, like I understand like it's about the gore, but why not just make a 20 minute movie where it's all gore and then people are happy, you know? Well, I'll, I'll be. This is a really broad brush because I'm trying to put it over quick and, and not, you know, I've obviously already interrupted you, but that's sort of like telling the Ramones that why don't you be Rush? Mm, I I don't necessarily think so, but like what he wants to do is just do that, you know. Like I I don't know. Like I'm I'm not going to go into it, but I just facilitated a very grand thing because all I want to do is one particular thing. Uh, in fire is writing a project right now, so I mean maybe that's all he wants to do. Well, the it, my my rebuttal to that is. If you want to just be the Ramones, why not? Don't try to do prog music and just do it and go through the motions just because, just because. 
you know, and that's what this movie I think is doing is that it's trying to have a story when it shouldn't because that, why, you know, why bother? That's like I said, that's like Ramones trying to do like a rush, uh, you know, like a rush type song, but just going through the motions. And, and, and at, at the end of it, just, it comes down to like a big punk riff with like, uh, you know, chanting vocals at the end or something. You well, know? you need the story, the, some sort of semblance of story, just like you need some sort of semblance of a song to get you from from point A to point B, like the set pieces and the gore things. Like, it wouldn't, regardless of how good the gore is, it wouldn't be interesting at all if it was just Rich standing in a, a field and, you know, armies and armies of zombies, mm-hmm. um, like like flowing in after them. Like the, like, uh, I, I'm not saying that this is a, a good story or a cohesive story or any of those things. It's an interesting idea for sure. Um, but like, I'm, I'm, I just don't, I, I don't necessarily agree with that argument. Like just go uh, as an the, artist, just go out there and give you whatever makes you a boner. That's fine. But there, there is at least 30 minutes of this movie where it's just talking or sitting around and I just don't know what that gives you. Well, like it just makes the runtime longer, you know, like, cause I don't care about these characters at the end of the day because that, that, that's not what matters, you know? Yeah. There's, so, a, lot of padded, there's a lot of padded time in this film. A lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, fill in shots, you know, and, uh, second unit shots, if you want to call them second unit shots. Um, but I mean, overall, I think it, I think it's a good film. I don't think it's his best film. I agree with, uh, Dynamo. I believe that, uh, Bone Sickness is his best film. It's his most realized film, I think. Everyone's favorite seems to be Fetus. Uh, Blood Pig's got uh, the glorious film of 2010. Now, granted, that doesn't necessarily level off to of a great movie, but still, it's it's, it's, it's a nice little uh, accomplishment for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm certainly not throwing the movie away by any stretch because I I enjoy it. I mean. Do I think that I could have done something, you know, I could have done things better in the film? Of course. I'm always going to think that. When I first saw it, I'm like, shit, I should have done this or I should have done that, you know. But, you I know, should have special effects my tattoos away. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, well, they, well they'll, they'll constantly tell you there was no CGI made in this film. Now, I think that was only told tongue in cheek. I mean, uh, you're not gonna make. Uh, you're not gonna have a movie with any amount of CGI in it for only five grand. It's not. It's not gonna happen. So, I I, I like right. it. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a little like, partial to it. And I'm just gonna do this mainly because I took the time to write notes. So I'm gonna go through them real quick. I guess at, the, at this point it's sort of a moot. I think I've got my my sort of my point across, but I don't know, like. I'm like I said, I'm about story and you can do some very simple things to get the story across. One thing, another thing that bugged me was that everyone's clothes, especially I forget the dude's name. It's uh, um, the dude who shoots himself at the end with the gun. His clothes were spoiler alert. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) There's no story. So yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Gary. What was that? The character's name is Gary. Gary. Okay. So Gary's clothes were super squeaky clean and not wrinkled one bit. And it just bugs me. <laughs> it's a silly, silly nitpicky thing. But, like, where the hell is he washing his clothes, you know? Like, why are they so squeaky clean? It, it just would have been simple just to rub it around in some dirt and to sell it a little bit more, you know? And 
Mazazir, what was with that sheet wrapped around your head? You trying to look like you trying to look like an Israeli? <laughs> oh, you mean during the credit sequence? No, I don't know. Like, there's one part in the movie where you're walking around. I think it's when you die. It, well, sorry. Oh, oh, okay. No, no, no. Okay, I get what you're saying. No, yeah. okay. there was a scene where I did have a sheet wrapped around my head during the opening credits, where um, I was me and another guy were sitting down in the room and we were being assassinated. Uh, you could tell that that's me by my uh, spiked hot dog T-shirt that I wore <laughs> in the movie. Well, that, that's not uh, what I meant, but I did recognize no, no, I know, that. I know, I, know, I know what you're talking about. No, that scene, that scene was done without me. Uh, I couldn't make it uh, to filming at that point, so they put in the fake Shem for me. Hmm. Uh, I can't remember who. But you know, but there was role. a. But you took you took it off. You took the sheet off. Like it was like wrapped around your head, and you took it off and looked at something. It it was I think it was right before you you found the zombie that wrapped its tentacles around you or whatever it was. Yeah, it's that scene right there. So I don't know. I just and somebody else the other the other main actor in the movie also had the same thing. It, it looked like you guys were in a desert, but it was very clearly a lush forest. So it just looked weird and just just wondering. I was wondering if there's a story behind that. This movie, I think, had the most fog I've ever seen of any movie. <laughs> so I don't know if that's attributed to the, the zombies and the, the post-apocalyptic world, but there is so much fog. You know, Just... uh, Rhode Island is a foggy place, you know? <laughs> Believe me, I know. I live there. <laughs> All right, then, you're, then your question's answered, man. <laughs> and uh, this may be actually be a funny story, so it's not necessarily a, a problem, but what what's with the inconsistencies with your beard, man? Yeah, my, yeah, I know. My beard's been out of control in that movie. Well, let me tell you, that, that movie took an awful long time to film. That movie took three years to make. And uh, about two and a half of those years, I had, this, I had the goatee that was just absolutely sickening. And uh, like when I killed a girl at the very beginning of the film, yep. uh, my, my goatee had to have been, what, maybe 10 inches long? <laughs> you know, really, really thick up at the chin, but really sparse at the end. And then, by the time I get killed in the film, uh, my goatee is down to like maybe about three inches. So, yeah, I know the inconsistencies. Believe me, I'm well aware of them. And uh, hey, you know, it's just independent, low-budget filmmaking at its absolute best. You're gonna have inconsistencies <laughs> like that, you know, like beard hair. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't going to hold on to 10 inches of... of, of, of <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, didn't, you have to make a movie to give us a sample. <laughs> I'm eating roast beef and loving it. I wasn't going to hold on, you know, keep 10 inches of chin for, you know, for three years for those movies to be played. I mean, I... <laughs> I, I, you know, I got to be out in public and shit, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, I had some other things, but you know what? Like, I, I've, I've got it most out of the way. And let me, let you me make... The funny thing about, you know what the funny thing about holding on to that goatee was? Was that <clears throat> during that time, I was uh, doing theater, and uh, I... What was I doing? I was doing uh, Cole Porter's Anything Goes, and... Uh, I had the whole. I was playing the um, 
the captain of the ship, of the uh, cruise, and I had to hold on to this goatee <laughs> so long. It's uh, and and the director, she didn't want me to hold on to it. I'm like, well, I got a movie to do. I gotta hold on to it. <laughs> you know? so, I I remember that because I saw you in that play. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guys, I got to see Monster Zero sing. Wow, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be a member of the Jedi? Half... Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I? Huh? I could sing. <laughs> he wasn't half bad, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard him right. sing. He sang. I think he's got a good voice. Actually, I saw him sing uh, uh, in whatever that shitty band video game is you all like to play back then. Uh, was was that Rock Band? Is that what that piece of trash was called? Rock band, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we did uh, sabotage. Yeah, he's got a great voice. And he also <laughs> sang uh, "Happy Days" on the Cryptocast a couple weeks back. It's true. That is true. <laughs> I re- I re- I renege my past statements. <laughs> <laughs> so let's l- let me end by saying all all those nitpicks aside, if you like gore, you're gonna love this movie. So, and and not just because Monster Zero's in it, but and not just because we all you know know the filmmaker at least a little bit. I don't know him very well, but I know you know him better than I do, Dynamo. And uh, you know, definitely check this out because. It's independent cinema. It's done, like I said, with a very small crew, 20 people tops. And that includes special effects. That includes editing, writing, directing, the crew, the cast, everything. So this was done on a a shoestring budget. I I definitely recommend you check out Blood Pigs if you have an opportunity. And if you love gore, you're going to love this movie. Yeah, I agree. And check out Bone Sickness starring Andy Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Our uh, our own Antichrist is uh, stars in that movie. So, Monster Zero. Before we finish this up, do you have any last things that you want to uh, say about Blood Pigs? Well, first of all, let me just say that Antichrist also appears in Fetus too. So that's right. You know, so uh, there's a little six degrees of Kevin Bacon there for you if you guys are are interested in trying that out. Um, Blood Pigs was uh, a lot of fun to film. And, I mean, there was a lot of times where I sat on a cold, frigid, cold... Ten-inch. In, in, <laughs> in, ...in the middle of the wintertime. Yep. You know, and... Uh, wait, wait. Are you going where I think you're going? Did you suffer for your art? <laughs> Did you, huh? well, Did you suffer for your art? There. I wasn't going to go there. I was just munching stuff. I wasn't going to go there, but now that you mentioned it, yes, I did. And... Uh, a lot of people do, and I don't mind suffering for my art. I suffered and for your art. We all suffered for your art. We all three suffered art. for my art, yes, and I appreciate that. Thank you. I don't know how to replay you. With some of them noodles. It's not a problem at all. I got plenty of noodles over there. <laughs> I ate them all. I ate them all. Here, here's some zombie meat for you. I got plenty of roofie noodles over there. <laughs> when I was uh, doing that scene with uh, the chick. We were uh, sitting down and we were having this dialogue scene together. And I had a bone steady. And I had a bone steady. You had a bone sickness? I, couldn't, <laughs> I, I had my lines memorized. I had them memorized. I'm like, boom, boom, boom. I got them. Okay, then Brian's like, okay, action. And everything just went blank. So when you watch that scene of me talking with the girl, uh, in the little cubby hole thing or whatever, uh, the script is right on my lap, and I guess he, I guess uh, 
Brian toned the uh, light down just a little bit more just to keep uh, people from seeing that my eyes are actually on the paper <laughs> and not on her. <laughs> what do you, what do you, you, you didn't have your eyes on the girl? You're looking oh. into your crotch? Yeah, I was looking at my <laughs> balls, but, but the uh, stick was covering my balls. <laughs> Rufus and Ronaldo were uh, hiding underground. I didn't see them credited in this movie. No, well, they didn't make an appearance. All the oh, well, yeah, they didn't make an appearance. <laughs> All right, so that's Blood Pigs. Everyone, go check this movie out. If you like gore, you're gonna dig this film. <laughs> and Monster Zero is in it, so yeah, you know. check it out. You get, any, you get any kickbacks from this Monster Zero? Any kickbacks? Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just looking forward to my next acting gig. That's all. Absolutely. Get back on Miss and Matrix. Sees this crypto cast. That'll be with uh, Morbid Vision. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we look forward to, to more films from Morbid Visions and Dynamo. You know what? It's your pick this week. Uh, yeah. And I I, I flip flopped on this quite a bit, but I I think I'm going to pick. Um, the I'm very excited for this. The Dolph Lundgren action opus, Red Scorpion. All right. So if you want to play at home, folks, go ahead. And I assume this is on uh, Netflix. Instance, yep. Right? Yeah, just newly of this week, I think. Hmm. Cool. So if you want to play play along at home, go ahead and uh, check out Red Scorpion. And if you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can go to trickatreatradio.com to do that. And uh, we'll be more than happy to play your your review. Try to keep it under two minutes if you'd like to do that. All right. Now, Monster Zero, this is where we end the segment, and you're going to go ahead. You're going to open up the torture vault, and you're going to pull out a movie and tell everyone about it. Okay. Let's see. We are going to discuss... Well, let's see. Because I'm never really prepared for things like this. I just uh, wait till the last, very last second. Of course not. Of course. Well, why don't we talk about... Well, why don't we talk about a trilogy? Of here. Trilogy? A trilogy, yes. But it's all basically the same thing. We're going to be talking about the August Underground films. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yes. Directed by Jack Vogel. Uh, he did a trilogy of uh, August Underground films. August Underground, August Underground Mortem, and August Underground Penance. And uh, basically... Uh, it's uh, shot on video, and uh, it takes uh, our friend Fred and uh, whoever his friends might be at that time to uh, go around and just torture and slaughter people uh, in gruesome, disgusting, and violent and gory ways. It's uh, very realistic looking. In certain, in some scenes, it doesn't look all that realistic. Uh, but uh, for the, I would say 98% of it, it looks extremely realistic. Uh, special effects by uh, Aaron and Ben Labonte, who I have not seen in like five years. I hope they're doing well. And yeah, um, I, I hope so too. Yeah, thank you. Dynamite drop in. <laughs> and uh, it's been outlawed uh, by a lot of people because of its grotesqueness. Uh, Fred Vogel was trained by Tom Savini, much like Brian Paulin was as far as special effects go, and even Savini was was appalled by the stuff that 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 Vogel made. 
Hmm. So uh, if, it, if it makes Savini sick, you got to be doing something right. Uh, definitely not for all taste, that's for damn sure. Uh, or you have to be asking him for an autograph. Huh? <laughs> Just speaking to Tom Savini at most conventions seems like you're making him sick. Well, he would, he would, he's not a big fan of, of these films. He's certainly not a fan of these films. And, um, but, but you know what? It does have a following. Uh, he has put out other films other than the August Underground films, uh, Redson, the Redson Tower. And I think he's got one other film that's coming out soon. I don't know what it is, though. I really haven't been keeping up on my, uh, on, uh, news on, um, no tag productions, but uh, there, there they are, the trilogy. And the whole the whole trilogy is like that, and it's all done on video. And the funny thing about this is that, uh, I'll give you a little backdrop on the first film, is that Vogel originally wanted to put these all on videotape and drop them off, like take like 10 or 15 of them or whatever, and just drop them off everywhere in random places where people would find them. <laughs> then, and, and, but that whole idea got shelved when uh, September 11th hit. Mm-hmm. After September 11th, 2001, he's like, uh, okay, you know what, I think we're going to go a different route here. And It wasn't because someone told him that form of distribution is called littering? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the August Underground trilogy, huh? Yes. You showed me one of these, and I was sort of appalled, not by the content, but I just, it did look realistic, I will say that, but I just was not very thrilled with the movie. Well, but, you only watched like the first 15 minutes of it, and after that, because there, it is a lot of swearing, a lot of yelling, but the torture scenes are very realistic. They are extremely realistic, and... uh I know what I, I remember. What scene got you going too? Uh, yep, that was the, um, the the fake phony Hulk Hogan punches. I remember your uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yep. I remember you lost your mind when you saw those, and I don't blame you because they did look bad. And I I thought they looked bad upon first viewing, but uh, you know what? A couple of fake Hulk Hogan punches is not going to destroy a whole movie. <laughs> Depends on how hard, hard fake you punch the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Check out August right. Underground, brother. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Monster Zero's Torture Vault pick of the week, August Underground trilogy. And, well, we we went a little easy on you, I guess. We we weren't too rough on you, were we, Monster Zero? No, no. You were very fair. I thought, I thought um, hell, I even took some shots at the film. So it's not like, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's not like I was uh, all by myself here. And you did look like an action star in a couple scenes, so I don't know if that's a testament to your acting ability or a testament to Brian Pollan's directing and editing. Oh, it's definitely a testament to my acting. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, Monster Zero, we're going to part ways with you, and we will talk to you again next week when we talk about Red Scorpion. Holy shit, I can't wait. Red Scorpion, man. Well, it's going to be fun. I'll take a look at it. I, I have I haven't even seen that. Dolph Lundgren is such a bore to me. But I'll take a look at it anyway. Who knows? I might actually be uh, pleasantly surprised. Well, I'm going to go take off and uh, go grab yourself some fucking noodles. I'll read it there, douchebag.
<laughs> See you, Master Zero. It's not a problem at all. I got plenty of noodles over there. Oh, noodles. You know, uh, I'm, watching, I'm watching the trailer on YouTube for Blood Pigs, and it's pretty pretty interesting. I mean, it looks, it looks the effects look fantastic. I mean, yeah. the effects are, I mean, no joke. I mean, for, for folks that are listening to this, I'm sure, when they think low, low budget, they're, you know, kind of thinking like a backyard sort of film, and it just, it does, it definitely doesn't look like that. The effects are, especially the moving effects, like the, you know, stuff coming out of people's mouths and stuff like that, uh, yeah. looks really good. I mean, like pro, real, real good. And, and when I say low budget, uh, that mostly it pertains to the locations, the costumes, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The the makeup is absolutely top notch. It, it really looks is. Like, yeah, it looks like makeup you'd see on on a big budget movie. No question, no question. Better I mean, than you, most you, big budget gore I've seen as of yeah. yeah. I mean, put a good camera on this and cinematographer, and and you have pretty much any zombie movie that you've seen. I mean, it's it's on yeah. par, right on par with that stuff. I know I was being a little, I was being purposely a little rough because it is Monster Zero and it was a movie he was in, you know, so I really tried to watch it with a critical eye. But I really do think that if Brian were to work with a writer and maybe not necessarily a director, because I think Brian can direct, but a cinematographer. And if he had like a good audio person as well, I think he could make a really awesome movie. You know, and I don't know if he hasn't done that because he likes to do everything himself mm-hmm. or or not. But but I think if, if that were to happen, I think he could make a really successful film. Yeah, I agree. I believe I he's totally told agree. me on more than one occasion he can only rely on himself. Well, and, and we know how that goes. I mean, you know, like I totally get that. You know, it's hard to, to rely on other people. to, And if you want to get shit done, you got to do it yourself a yeah. lot of times. So. And budget has something to do with it, too. I mean, if you want to pay yep. somebody to be your cinematographer, you can rely on them. If you don't want to pay them, then you can't. I'll yeah. do it for noodles. It's not a problem at all. I got plenty of noodles over there. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> Speaking of noodles, uh, I think we need to get that uh, Michael Raven shadow. I wonder which one we're going to get this time. Are you, ta- yeah. are you talking about his brain or his build? <laughs> his arms. He's got noodle arms. <laughs> we're going to have to do a quick uh, Michael Ravenshadow session here, and then we're going to, because we need to hook up with Jim yeah. from Teal. So let's get him on the line. We're going to breeze through this. We'll let him know. Oh. Michael Ravenshadow. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm well, sir. I'm well. I'm ready. Yeah? You all lubed up and ready to go? <laughs> I'm lubed, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, on your mark, get set. Go. <laughs> All right, we're joined by Dynamo and Tiny. Tiny's with us this week. Hello. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't me, by the way. I don't know. I think that was you, Tiny. <laughs> All right, so let's. we got a lot to get to here, and we don't have much time to get to it with or in or something, so let's, let's get to it. Michael Ravenshadow, the first thing I want to bring up is the news, this actually broke right as as the new episode came out last week, episode 15, but DC Comics is canceling Vertigo's Hellblazer in, I think it's in February, and then they're going to be launching a Constantine title in the DC Universe. It's no longer going to be in Vertigo. It'll be in the DC Universe. So I'd like to get, first of all, I'd like to get your impression of this. Um, well, uh, as this news broke, uh, you can also hear the sound of my heart breaking as well. 
and also announced, unless this recently happened, is the ongoing uh, Constantine animated series, which is going to be coming on uh, this fall on the WB. Really? Yes. Um, wow. I, be, I haven't even heard of that. Yes. It'll be uh, you know geared towards uh, the six-year-olds and, uh, and he'll be solving <laughs> mysteries with a talking dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't so wait. It's going to be amazing. We're looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, no, uh, there's no animated series, but it's it's kind of lame, man. Um, you know, Constantine, uh, we all are big fans of JC, um, and I think, you know, toning down his stories is kind of lame. Um, you know, I did read he's going to be the, you know, still drinking and smoking. Uh, they are de-aging him, I believe, uh, to his 30s. Uh, but I think it's the wrong way to go. I think John is uh, a hard R all day long. And uh, even though I haven't been following uh, the current run, um, you know, I'm a, I'm, I like my Constantine very much. The Garth Ennis, you know, streetwise mage, um, hard drinking, hard smoking, the bastard that, um, you know, if you're friends with him long enough, you'll probably end up being killed. And I don't really want to see him become a, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a lollipop, you know, sucking pretty boy who drinks milk instead of, uh, you know, hard whiskey. <laughs> He's going to smoke candy cigarettes and drink milk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, have a, you know, a five pack a day, you know, bubblegum habit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dynamo. What, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, I, I put a lot of thoughts into this. Um, a lot of thought I should say into this. And, um, just real quick, who on the other end of this microphone was reading Hellblazer currently? That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, like I have to be honest and say I don't care. I don't care. Sure. I wasn't reading it. Nobody was. And if anybody's upset about it, they ought to have been reading it. Like I just don't care. I feel like I don't even read my old – like. I looked, grabbed one of my old Hellblazers and Hellblazers rather, and it was covered completely in dust. Like I love all that old Garth Ennis stuff, but I feel like it's kind of even second string Garth Ennis compared to Preacher and Hitman and some of the stuff he did when he really hit his his stride. Um, It's it's you know bad uh, or not bad. It's great, but mediocre Garth Ennis is still Garth Ennis, and and like I don't know, like I, I. I don't know. I'll see what they do with the new one, but for right now, or, or if they put a good creator on it, but for right now, I'm going to file Constantine away with like uh, ECW and a lot of things from the 90s when it was all about being tough and, and swinging your cock. Um, and I, I, not, I was, I guess I was done with it. Maybe I didn't realize it, but I guess I was done with it. So the fact that they canceled it doesn't doesn't affect me either way. Yeah, and I think the, I think it's mostly a nostalgia thing because we've all read Hellblazer stories and, and there's some great Hellblazer stories. And I remember we used to just sit around the, uh, sit around the table at, at the diner or whatever, and talk about comic books and Hellblazer would come up and there's some really fantastic stories. So I think just the fact that hearing Hellblazer is getting canceled or is, is ending is, is sort of, it's a sad thing because it's, it's, it basically tugs on our nostalgia strings. And, and I think that's all it is because like you said, none of us are, are currently reading it. And you know what? Like, I I do. Uh, I, I'm actually a couple issues behind, but I was digging uh, the new direction that uh, Justice League Dark took, and it's cool reading Constantine stories. So you know what? If if 
we're going to see more Constantine because he's in the DC universe. I, I guess that's not necessarily a bad thing. I just hope he's not a watered down version like like Raven Shadow says. So he doesn't seem to be so far as as far nope. as that book goes. It seems to be Constantine, just not yeah. very well written Constantine. Yeah, right. yeah. And let's, and let's not get it twisted either. Uh, John's technical first appearance was in an issue of Crisis on Infinite Earth. Um, he often uh, was in the DCU. Um, I always knew of the character, but the moment that made me want to read him was when he appeared at Hal Jordan's funeral, and some character asked, you know, Constantine, why are you here? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm just here for the food, um, which made me <laughs> chuckle. Yeah. Um, you know, even early Sandman, you know, was in the DCU. There were dream sequences with, with Martian Manhunter, Batman, you know, Bruce Wayne. So the character, it's not, it's not a far departure. Um, yep. you know, you know, so if they can do it, well, great. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Just, you know, avoid, avoid the, the bubble gum. <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right. Well, I wanted to make sure we tackled that first. And now I want to dive into, we're going to think up a name for this. I don't know if anyone out there, any of our listeners want to, want to contribute ideas, but if you come up with a cool name for the segment, I don't know, we'll, we'll give you a high five. I don't know. Maybe we'll send you a CD or, or a poster or something if, if you do. So yeah, let's, let's do something like that. So for now, let, let's call it the funny book double tap because that's a really <laughs> lame name. And then if somebody I think that's up, great. All right. Well, maybe I just won the poster. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll give you a signed copy of uh, of Quasar signed by uh, myself, Michael. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. So let's do the. Funny that might book. actually bring the value up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't you go ahead first, Raven Shadow? This is the funny book double tap, as it was just dubbed. So why don't you go? Why ahead don't you and... do both your picks at the same time so we can just burn uh, a little bit? Uh, All right. Burn the midnight oil here. Oh, yeah, go ahead and let's hear about your two picks, Raven Shadow. Okay, uh, first up, uh, the first tap, if you will, <laughs> will be uh, uh, A versus X uh, Consequences, which is a book that spun out of the going on for way too long uh, Avengers versus X Men. Um, and after the events of that book, uh, Scott Summers is now the new face of Mutant Rebellion. Uh, and I gotta be honest, I think it was better than the actual mini, the whole mini series leading up to it. Um, you know, as a result, uh, Scott is now imprisoned for his crimes against, uh, the 616. Um, and he's really setting himself up as a mutant martyr. Um, you know, Wolverine shows up every issue, busting his balls, um, you know, saying he's a dick. Um, but really Scott is, is, is complacent. He's in a general population prison, um, as the book progresses, um, things happen where he does decide to act. And I really like the fact that, that Scott and Magneto are now teaming up. Uh, it's almost like uh, the Scott and Magneto uh, tag team reminds me of the Xavier and Eric Lencher team of years ago. You know, kind of like the son becomes the father. So I see some similarities there. Um, there's also a, a new X-Men team being formed involving uh, Colossus's sister Magic and Danger, uh, who's like a living Danger Room robot from the Joss Whedon run. Um, Scott continues his parallax moment um, and really uh, 
while doing this, he also stays in character. And I really hope that we see Scott continue to walk the line and not just evolve into a total villain. Um, you know, he realizes that Professor Xavier's death was, you know, unfortunate, and he's sad by it. But at the same time, you know, the whole omelet in the eggs and Xavier step to him. Uh, there's a really cool moment where where he's talking with Magneto, and if I can just real quick quote this, you know, uh, uh, Eric says, you know, this isn't like how it was before. And Scott's like, you're wrong. And there's a panel, hatred, feared, and saving the world. Tell me what's changed. So I kind of like the idea of the X-Men being an outlaw team, mm-hmm. really being an outlaw team. So uh, check out A versus X Consequences. Cool. And uh, what's your final book for the week? Uh, final book is The New Valiant uh, Shadow Man, um, which was my favorite of the original uh, Valiant run. Um, much like modern day, uh, the original Valiant line uh, from the mid-90s kept me in the comic game when you know, Marvel DC really did the whole you know, big ponytails, big guns, and even bigger chested characters. Uh, Valiant <laughs> really, uh, really uh, you know, kept the mainstream superhero stuff uh, alive for me. And uh, while the original Shadow Man run uh, has ties to Exo Man of War of that era, this new version um, is kind of presenting a generational take on the character while still focusing on the original Jack Boniface. Uh, you know, even the original uh, Shadow Man mask makes a cameo on a, on a voodoo mask wall in a, in a New Orleans museum. Uh, the book definitely has a horror vibe. Uh, there's definitely a lot of blood. Um, and it really has the spirit of the original. So, um, you know, if you dig that, um, the old Bob Hall run, uh, you know, go and grab Shadow Man because it's a good time. Cool. Does that have anything to do with the Shadow Cat mask that you have? Uh, no, is it a Huntress mask? It's uh, Shadow Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Raven Shadow. So those are your two. That's your double tap for the week. Now let's get uh, Dynamo's double tap for the week um this is a great book from image it's named it's by paul grist who uh also writes jack staff which is one of my favorite comics ever um it's teen superheroics done right uh in the kirby uh, i mean in the dicko lee vein um with a with a brit twist it's called Mudman, uh and it's a great comic it's a good mystery it's a great con it's an awesome comic it's a great looking comic um i highly highly recommend it um, the other one is an IDW horror comic. Uh, it's called The Pound. Uh, two two exterminators that work for the state get uh, fired. They open their own extermination business, and over the course of these first two uh, storylines here, run afoul werewolves and vampires and any number of ghouls, uh, just from the Black Lagoon. Um, so it's it's a fun book. It's kind of a lark, but. Uh, it's certainly not scary horror, but it's 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 a good horror book. I, I highly recommend it. Check out the pound, uh, the second story, the first issue of the second storyline, which is entitled um, "Ghouls Night Out," um, features uh, the the pr- the professor uh, who has his own image, a, a really good image horror book as well. So uh, I recommend my two picks are Mudman and the Pound. Uh, they're awesome. Check them out. Cool. So that was the funny book double tap for this week. And uh, before we wrap up here with uh, Michael Ravenshadow, we had a couple quick voicemail messages. So let me go ahead. One is directed to, right at Ravenshadow. Uh, this is our mm, listener. I wasn't. I don't know if he's a good friend anymore, but this is our listener 
uh, Sir Isaac. So let me play this for you here, Raven Shadow. All right, let me uh, let me strap on. Dear sirs, first off, how dare Mark your Raven Shadow question my British accent? All of you know it's as authentic as Gwyneth Paltrow's, and don't you fucking forget it. Now, despite this rudeness, I'm afraid I'm going to have to take your side in the harm shot first argument. Because it does matter, Dynamo. That and all the other stupid little things George Lucas has been doing to the original trilogy over the years. It can all be explained away in three little words. Michael Jackson's nose. Oh, fine, I will explain. Look, Michael Jackson started out with a perfectly acceptable face. It had its flaws, but whose face besides mine doesn't? But because he had the emotional stability of a girl reading Twilight, he decided he couldn't leave well enough alone and started making little adjustments to it. Only he couldn't bring himself to stop making those adjustments, could he? So he kept hacking away. And by the time he died, his nose wasn't just smaller, it was fucking detachable. Think about that. Think about what you would have to do to make your nose removable outside of trying to give a blowjob to a lawnmower. And George Lucas is doing the same thing. He's trying to create an idealized version of the trilogy that much like Monster Zero's fan base simply doesn't exist. But the really insulting part is that also like Michael Jackson, he refuses to acknowledge that he's making these changes and acts like the tens of millions of people who point this out just don't know what they're talking about. Here, let me put it this way. I've been broadening up this podcast with my beautiful voice for a while now. But imagine if the next time I call up, I start talking like this. This clearly fake accent that makes me sound American by way of Liverpool. And what if every time you guys call me on it, I claim that I've always spoken like this, and you guys just aren't remembering your own podcast correctly. I bet you wankers would be pretty insulted by Cracky. And that's why it matters that Han Solo shot first. Because when Lucas gets away with pulling stunts like this, he's not just peeing on our legs and telling us it's raining. He's making us watch Psychos in Love and insisting it has great writing. Yours in friendship, Sir Isaac. Well... I don't know. Is, is that accent? Ac- that sounds like a pretty good accent right there. I'm not sure which is real. I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty convincing here in that American accent of his. So I'm not too sure. But he had some choice words for for you and for and for Dynamo. But yes. you know, well, I think I think I think he was half right. <laughs> half right, huh? <laughs> All right. And right before we finish this up, we have one more message and. Excuse me, I have to take some painkillers because I'm getting a headache from nerds trying to make me hate Star Wars. <laughs> Just because they don't have anything to fucking better to do. For real well, though, I'm looking this up right now because I was blown away by this. The 1997 altered version of Star Wars depicts Greedo firing a shot at Han Solo first. Oh my god, Tony, where have you been for 15 years? I, I, maybe I heard this and I repressed it because it's so upsetting. <laughs> this is that's, abs- that's maybe absurd. you don't listen to your own radio show when you're not on it. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, we, we have th- this is interesting. We actually have a call from somebody in the Star Wars universe. This is from Neen Num, who we we mentioned last week. I guess he found I don't know how, where he got a hold of our show or how we found it, but somehow we're out there in in the universe, in the Star Wars universe. So 
Let me go ahead and play this this message from Nin Num. Hello, this is Nian Nun. I am the person who piloted the Millennium Falcon in Return of the Jedi with Lando Calrissian. I am not, however, the other black guy. What the hell is wrong with you white humans? The other, the two black guys that British asshole was talking about were Lando and Mace Windu. Samuel motherfucking Jackson. How could you forget about him? He's the only black guy in those awful prequels. And how the hell could you think I look like a black man? My eyes are huge, my skin is grey, and my face looks like somebody stretched out Courtney Love's piss flaps. Have any of you even met a black person? Or were you raised by Republicans? I, I don't need this shit, I got to go. I'm going to stop listening before you call R2D to a Puerto Rican. Goodbye. And may a court-appointed psychiatrist be with you. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> How does Nian Num know who Courtney Love is? We actually have oh. a very good rating on iTunes Dagobah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a flawless rating. <laughs> that was more like Nian Num. He was kind of surly. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So that's going to do it, Raven Shadow. We appreciate you coming on here, talking funny books with us, and... and you know, being subjected to those messages. We will definitely catch up with you next week, though, my friend. All right, very good. Looking forward to it. All right. Talk to you later, Raven Shadow. All right. Uh, I'm working on a catchphrase. Um, yes. How's this? Uh, Excelsior, douchebags. <laughs> does, does that fit in with the, uh, the you know, highbrow level of the show? Is that acceptable? Keep working. Keep working. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. See you. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. All right, bye. <laughs> All right, well, man, more Star Wars talk. It's getting intense. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't know that Greedo shot first. I uh, maybe maybe I just repressed it. Did we really? Well, talk maybe about it's it? not a big really fucking talk? deal. Oh, it, it really is though. I'll I'll fight Why? you on that one. Why? Why? Because it was makes the, Han... was the character of Han Solo ruined by it. It makes him look like a pussy by comparison with the original. No, it makes him look like he outdrew another gunfighter who had the draw on him. That, no, I don't think so. That would be like the uh, swordsman from Raiders of the Lost Ark slashing him first and then him shooting him. Tell me it's not. But that, but if that scene never happened in the whole movie, it wouldn't make Indiana Jones a bad character. No, no, no. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying shame on him for altering that scene. Yeah, that, I don't care. Like I just don't care. Like there's more. There's more in as far as his alterations go. I I can't think of a single one that other than the friggin' world music on Ewok Village at the end, as opposed to Jub Jub Kotopa Chihuahua, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. that old chestnut. Um, there's not a single thing. There are things that I loved that he tampered with, mm -hmm. and there are things that I don't care about. But there's nothing that I out and out don't like or hate that irritate me. Like I just don't care if I made Star Wars. And he tampered with it. If someone came on and changed, like, uh, like Miss Matrix's and Oracle's vocals on the big scary monster, that would piss me off. Like, I don't care what he does to his own stuff. You know, like, I, but it, you know, it, it's it's it's. I will fight the Han shot first thing because I think it doesn't matter. Uh, but I do think people have at least an argument, though I don't agree with it. In the it, it ruins his story arc. Uh, again, I think it's ridiculous because it obviously hasn't hurt Han Solo's legacy. Um, but like, uh, I, I just don't. I, I don't think any of those alterations matter. Like, what matters? 
Like the scene where um, like a hundred stormtroopers instead of the twenty five that they could have follow Han around the corner on the Death Star. Mm. Um, like that was awesome. That was awesome. Like some of the space shots that they changed, like uh, as they were coming into like like docking. Uh, in different planets and stuff like that that they weren't even able to do. They were just friggin' dis- like wipe dissolves, um, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden yeah. were walking around on the planet. Like mm-hmm. that was awesome. A lot of that stuff was great, you know. And 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 I and I I like it. I, I I dig it. Like none of it, like that stuff I love. And the stuff that I didn't love, I don't remember hating a certain thing. I just remember being indifferent to it, you know, or being like ah he changed that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the world music I didn't think was awesome, but like listen this is what's great about star wars nerds love it and they get fired up about it but the problem is that they can't they can't see the forest despite the trees they can't they can't see that it is a little ridiculous how upset they get about it like it's amazing that something was created that's so passionate that 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 their fan base is so passionate about it but at the end of the day like nobody's going to change my mind to make you know no they're not going to convince me that star wars is bad and they're not any more than they're going to convince me that they're the greatest films of all time. They're not going to convince me that the prequels are all out and out bad. You know, there are some things in the prequels that are awesome and something in the prequels that suck. But they were entertaining, breezy little films. And, you know, like just nerds are the notorious for wanting to tell you that you're wrong for what you think. And it's hey, just amazing. Hey, guys, we're going to have to cut this Star Wars sh- short, this discussion of Star Wars short, because... We have just arriving in his DeLorean from the future. Uh, Jim Smith is just about to pull in, so we need to get him on the line. And he has a short window of opportunity. He came back just for this interview, and he has to go back to the future. So let's go ahead and let's get Jim on the line, and we'll talk to him really briefly uh, and let him get back to his mission. Okay. We want to let him get back in time. Good one. Just arriving from his, his DeLorean from the future, we have Jim Smith from Teal. Jim, thank you for joining us once again. Yeah, thank you guys. It's a pleasure. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Um, we also have Dynamo and Tiny from, from the Deadites as well. So how are you guys doing? Good, good. Hang in there. Nice to talk to you again, Jim. I'm a little bit yeah, angry. Man. Really? You're yeah, angry. not at you though, sir. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> I just got yeah. on the line. How are you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Leave me a mess- message and convince me. Hate, try to convince me to hate Star Wars, and then I'll hate you. Like I do everything. <laughs> We've had an ongoing for the last several weeks uh, discussions about Star Wars and all this stuff about Lucas fixing the trilogies has come up, and, and it just makes Dynamo surly. So we're 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 not going to talk about that at all during the segment. We're going to talk about awesome stuff and fun stuff, and what we wanted to. What we want to do, Jim, is we wanted to get real quick. You don't have to give us, you know, go into great detail, but we wanted to sort of get get an idea of uh, what you thought about the Halloween show that we just played uh, this past October twenty seventh. Oh man, it was uh, it was simply amazing. I mean, that was uh, I mean for me it was such an honor to like cruise up into Massachusetts during Halloween weekend as it is, you know. So yeah. Um, I mean, we were just really excited because we've always spent Halloween uh, around here. So, you know, me and my wife uh, trekked up to Salem, actually, the day before and, uh, you know, did all the little tours and all that stuff. So that was just like an unreal treat, you know, and uh, it was only it was about, you know, 45 minutes away. So it wasn't wasn't too bad. And, 
So it was just the whole weekend. It was the whole experience. Like, I love Halloween. I love when, uh, you know, people get into costume and all. And it's just, you go to Massachusetts, and that's kind of like the hub, you know. And uh, we just saw some, like, amazing stuff. So it was just, it was awesome. And the party was just ridiculous, you know, great outfits. And it was packed, so it was awesome. Yeah, it, it was a blast. I mean, just, just looking around and seeing everyone's face, it was, you could tell people were having a great time and, you know, us included, it was, it was a pleasure just to, to be able to, to play with you and to ch- catch you live. Cause I've never seen you live and that was, that was a real treat. Yeah. And, um, actually a, a lot of the, you know, the only thing I saw you guys before was the videos and I was like, wow, that's like a party, you know, I'm like that looks amazing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I saw firsthand when you guys were playing and that was just like, that wasn't just like a show. It was like you know full performance, and uh, it was it was awesome. It was really cool. I mean, uh, the costumes were ridiculous. The music was amazing. Like throughout the whole night, like everyone was just in like good vibe, you know. So that was uh, it was great. We had a blast. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, really- yeah, and I, and and you guys had really good beer on tap too, which always makes everything better, you know. So. Uh, <laughs> I think I was drinking like IPAs like nonstop. They were delicious. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a nice little bonus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. It was a good bar, you know. I mean, uh, the decor and all that was uh, was impressive, you know. And uh, especially Halloween time. I mean, that was like the ultimate bar for a Halloween party. So. Yep. Yeah, the owner goes all out. He's a very you know close friend of ours in the band, and uh, yeah, he just rocks it out. He's a, another huge fan of Halloween. So. And it's amazing to hear you say that too, because I, I have some friends. Uh, coincidentally, I've I have friends you know that come in usually all over the United States for the show, and they fucking love the Lucky Dog. And you know, in Philadelphia and all these other places, they tell me it's one of the coolest clubs that they've ever been to. But meanwhile, you have a bunch of wanker towny jackasses consistently complaining about the Lucky Dog because, uh, you know, there's good bands there like the Deadites and Teal, and not dumb droning indie rock bands. So, you know, it's it's <laughs> awesome to again get confirmation from somebody not from here that doesn't take how doesn't take having an awesome club like the Lucky Dog for granted. Mm-hmm. Oh no, dude, it it was awesome. I mean. To be honest, it reminded me a lot of uh, there's a place in Philly called Tattoo Moms, and it mm. just has it, it, they're nothing alike, but they just had the same kind of vibe of like whatever goes and you I know, agree a hundred percent. You know, just like a really cool spot, and like no matter where you're sitting in the bar, you're like, oh, that's awesome. You turn around, there's like some really you know cool thing on the wall. You're like, oh, that's that's fucking cool shit. <laughs> you know, like I can't believe uh, you know they found this or you know I. Like low rider bumps and you know all kinds of just like crazy memorabilia stuff mounted on the wall and uh, that's just cool you know I love that stuff. Yeah, definitely, and it was a real treat to you know we had obviously talked on a few occasions, so it was, it was a treat to be able to hang out with you as well. So if we can ever, you know, I don't I don't mean to speak for the rest of the band, but if we can ever work a show again and and things work out, it'd be a pleasure to uh, have you up here or or to play with you down there or something like that. Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, we just, me and my wife had an absolute blast, like, just, you know, going somewhere different, you know, playing somewhere else and, you know, meeting all, you know, people that I've, you know, I've been talking to you guys online, obviously, but, uh, you know, it's just like to to see your face and kind of connect. It's like, oh, I know all these guys, you know? (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's crazy crazy how that that works, you know, with just the technology today, uh, 
It's like, no, I know this person. I don't, I didn't physically ever see them before, but I know them, you know, and, uh, yeah. So it's cool. It was cool to like meet all you guys and, uh, you know, just, you know, see what you guys, uh, you know, do each year and stuff. And that was just like a super impressive for me, uh, especially just cause I love Halloween and, uh, movies and horror and all kinds of good stuff. So it was like, it was cool to see all the characters and, uh, it, you know, it was pretty rad. Awesome. And speaking of characters, your costume was pretty fantastic. I, I have to say. Yeah. A plus man. Yeah. That, um, you know, that, that's one of my best put together costumes. I would say actually my ultimate costume ever was a flasher costume <laughs> that I did like maybe seven or eight years ago. I was, I feel like I was in high school, maybe probably even, yeah, it's like, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago I was in high school and, uh, I got a trench coat at like the the no, the local uh, red, white, and blue, just kind of like a you know Vietnam vet and vet type thing, mm-hmm. where um, you know people bring clothes and and you can you can get stuff really cheap. So I found this like really long trench coat and I was like, perfect, this is the cheapest Halloween costume ever. <laughs> and um, and that, and that ended up being really expensive because I went and bought um, like skin colored long johns, which was like impossible to find. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I painted, like, muscles, and uh, and I made a giant fake penis. And um, I, I wore, I wore like, an Afro wig, and I trimmed some of the Afro hair and used it as the pubes. And it, let me just say, that was the ultimate Halloween costume. Because everywhere I went, people were like, you know, I had, like, nerd glasses and an Afro. And they're like, who is this guy? And I'd flash him with this giant fake penis. And that was... I had the most fun I've ever had in my life. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was funny. I was, uh, you know, it, it all happened because I found a jacket and I was like, oh, I'm going to be a flasher. That's perfect. <laughs> and then I had to construct a fake penis. So um, I used a wiffle ball bat and yeah. trimmed it. Like I cut it with a hacksaw and then uh, got like pantyhose and painted veins and it looked real, Jesus. man. It looked like a giant fake wiener, <laughs> and I had to make a head. And it was it was oh funny that I was, God. you know, <laughs> yeah. So talk about I know, trick or I know treat. this conversation just went like completely left field, but <laughs> that's what the show is yeah, all that, about. That was, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. That was much. funny. It was funny though. I, I haven't thought about that in a long time, and that was the coolest. That was the coolest costume. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I always like to um, like make my outfits instead of buying like a prop thing or you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I, even even this year, you know, I, I, I wore this outfit before on Halloween. I got the mask about uh, like two or three years ago, but um, I tried to make it first, and I found this guy online just to look it up for reference, and I was like, oh, this guy made one. And um, I contacted him, and he gave it to me for a really great price. And I was like, wow, you know, I, I have this. This guy makes movie prop replicas, and uh, his stuff is awesome from, like, Freddy to you name it, you know. So he had tons of stuff, and um, uh, I think it's, like, Nightmare maybe is the company. Hmm. Nightmare props or um, – but, yeah, the guy had, like, you know, Freddy gloves. He had the guitar. I was like, that's cool. But just, like, you know, it, obviously pricey because it's very rare stuff. But, um, 
Yeah, he had the Leslie Vernon mask, and he made it, like, personally, and no one really knew about the movie. And, uh, you know, I contacted him. He's like, yeah, yeah, you could have it, man. It's awesome. It was fun to make. I was like, all right. Wow. So uh, it's kind of like one of my most prized possessions <laughs> in my house, you know? Yeah. So it's like, if, if the house goes down, that's, I'm definitely going to have the mask on top of my head running out, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> and that's saying something. Cause uh, it sounds like you got some pretty cool stuff in your house, so. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I collect a ton of stuff, but... Um, there's just certain little things that it's like, nah, I don't care the the monetary value of the dollar. It's just like some things are way more special. I'm sure you guys know, too, because you guys collect and, uh, yeah. you know, are, are into, like, you know, movies, comics, and all kinds of fun stuff. So it's, uh, you guys, you, you, you totally understand. But, yeah, um, but yeah, Halloween was fun, man, and I honestly it was one of the, my favorite Halloweens I've ever had. So I gotta wow. really thank you guys for that. It was That's awesome. awesome. No, thank you, Jim. I mean, yeah, that was that was just a really fun time, and it was it was great to be able to play with you. And uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to catch the whole show because we got to go ahead and get ready. But we caught a good a good portion of it. And um, if people check out the CryptoCast, they can see we we got Mugwai recorded on video and. Uh, put that out there so if people haven't checked that out they should go check out the cryptocast episode 35 and check out uh teal on there yeah it was awesome yeah i just say uh this the sound guy did great i mean roger sounded awesome yeah yeah i i I, um first two two quick things first off uh obviously i love the set and and you know i'm a big fan of your music um, and, and, and you're an A plus A, A, A plus individual. Um, but what will probably mean more from you to hear from us, who are your, your you know your buddies now, and and and, and obviously fans, um, the feedback that we got from our crowd um, was unanimously that everyone loved it. So uh, you know we're not like you know you may have took that for granted, but normally uh, everyone except for maybe Nightmare. The, the crowd generally kind of checks out what they have to do and then goes outside and smokes and mills around like deadites fans are generally pricks. Um, but they really, they really dug you a lot. So uh, we universally, everyone that, that I spoke with and all the feedback we got after the show, everybody liked you a lot. So that's a tough crowd, my man. So, uh, you know, take, take that as a high compliment because those motherfuckers don't like anybody. So that, that was great. So, you know, they, they really dug it. You know, basically the crowd was just awesome to deal with and uh, and hang out with. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you go into a different city, you're like, you know, you, you kind of hang by the bar by yourself here and there, and you don't really know anyone. But it was kind of cool because everyone kind of knew er- everyone there, so it felt like a family. You know, so everyone I talked to was just really sincere, and uh, it was just awesome. You know, a lot of the people there were just you know, so into the vibe and so into the night. So there was a lot of like, you know, positive energy and stuff. So it was just cool. You know, we had, we had a blast with everyone and not knowing anyone in the room, except you guys, uh, you know, you wouldn't have known it cause we talked to like so many people about their costumes and, uh, it was just rad. That's great. I'm glad you had, you guys had such a great time. That was, it was, you know, like I said, it's, it, it was a pleasure and, uh, hopefully we can we can do it again. I'm gonna start booking for uh, the the Deadites birthday party in April, and uh, I'll let you know dates. But I'd love to have you come down again because uh, it was fun and it's a good fit. And uh, 
I can't think of anybody I'd like to play with more on our third annual 20th birthday party. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, get me some dates. I'd uh, love to check it out. Like I said, it's, you know, we're, we're close enough. I mean, it's not, uh, we're, we're right in Jersey, so it's not that bad of a drive. You know, we get up there and, uh, it's nice to kind of get away for a little bit, you know, so it's, uh, it's always a fun time. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll discuss that more as, as time goes on. But the uh, last thing I want to get to here is before you have to go back to the future and, and continue your adventure, as we talked about before, it's kind of funny, like you have all the time in the world, but you know, we need to make it sound urgent, right? <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it's, it, it's funny how that works where you, you know, if you have a time machine, um, you know, really you can take your time with everything, you know, and there's like no real rush. Um, you know, it's <laughs> because they're like, oh, I'll get to that tomorrow. You know, I could just well, go back an extra day or. <laughs> well, actually I have this photo of, of, of us from the show and you're, you're starting to fade out of it, Jim. So I, I think I, there, I think there is some urgency here. <laughs> that is true, though. Yeah, I mean, there's something going on in, like, a parallel universe uh, right now that's going on. So it's like, yeah. you do have to move kind of quick. I, I guess you're right, it, now that you put it that way. <laughs> so before you start I mean, fading... If you got photos fading, you know something's going on somewhere, <laughs> you know, and you got to get back to where that where it's going now. And I, th- I think I hear Earth Angel playing in the background, too. So we... we... <laughs> Which, 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 yeah, I was saying, which to me is the greatest slow song ever. And whenever I've DJed weddings, and even at my own wedding, I always play Earth Angel. I throw it in there somewhere, and people <laughs> freaking love it, dude. Whether it's at dinner, you know, you get all, some old people get up straight up, they're eating, and they're like, "Now nah, we gotta go. This is Earth Angel." <laughs> <You know? laughs> Absolutely, like, come on, yeah. this is our song. But now that song is amazing. It was a good choice for soundtrack <laughs> yeah definitely so before you you fade completely from the space-time continuum the other thing i wanted to touch base with you on was uh, last time you were on you mentioned your love of the deftones and it just so happens that this past tuesday on november 13th koi no yokan was released the new deftones album so i just wanted to to see if you had a chance to listen to it and if you had any any thoughts about it so far Oh yeah, um, no, I, I I listened to it. Uh, actually, Rolling Stone posted it for streaming uh, a couple of days ago. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I listened to it like continuously at work just to kind of soak it in. Yeah, because um, sometimes records, you know, it's like you know, you hear it for the first time, it's like shocking, you know, and then the second time, it's like, all right, it's it's their style, they're they're doing their thing, and then the third time, you're like, ooh, I like that song more than that one, and then. You know, it kind of builds from there, and uh, it's like, you know, obviously I'm super excited for it because um, I, I think it's one of the best albums uh, that they've done in the last five to ten years. I mean, um, it, it feels really raw mm-hmm. uh, and heavy, but still super melodic and, like, catchy, you know. So for me, I just I love the style of it, and, um, I mean, it, it's kind of what drew me to them originally when, a lot of the stuff that I was listening to was like Pantera and a lot of like really heavy metal stuff. And I'm like, Oh, this, you know, like, Oh, this guy sings like softly too. And then we'll go back into screams. I'm like, I like that, you know, and there's melody. And, um, this one I thought was like really well produced. So I'm psyched on it. I think it's awesome. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've been listening to it a lot too. And, you know, I've had it for uh, several days now because they're streaming it. And, uh, I, I have to admit, I'm a big fan. I like all their stuff, but I'm, I'm a really big fan of the more melancholy sort of floaty stuff that they do. That's like right in my wheelhouse. I, I love that stuff. So on this on this new album, uh, track five, Entombed, is probably one of the standouts for me. Like that that song sort of reminds me of of other tracks like Sex Tape or, um, you know, songs songs in that vein. And, and that's really like, the thing that re- that I really enjoy about them, I like I like all of it. I like the yin and the yang, but the stuff like that is really what the bread and, their bread and butter for me, anyways. So that is a standout track for me. And also, I think Rosemary track nine is sort of has hints of that, but it also has like the their heavier side as well. So it's like they managed to sort of meld those two styles together, the more aggressive stuff and sort of the more uh, melancholy, floaty stuff. And I, I do agree. I think it's probably one of their better albums in the last, uh, of, of their last few, which all were good. But this one uh, definitely has a nice sort of yin-yang to it where there's a lot of like really cool heavy stuff and there's some some really cool, more uh, more mellow stuff. Yeah, and... Um... I, no, I agree. And uh, the thing that gets me on this one is um, there's very few albums in general where it's like start to finish where the track listing is like really good. You know, yeah. um, sometimes I've listened to artists in different, you know, I've listened to the album in different order and it like completely changed the feel of the album. It's it's crazy how that works, you know. But it's like you hear the end of a song and you're ready for the next one, like, growing up listening to cassettes and stuff, you know? Yeah. But uh, it, it's weird how um, I just have become, like, so, um, you know, obsessed with track listing lately. And uh, I feel like their first, you know, three albums were, you know, like, start to finish, you're like, wow, this is good, and they're different enough. Um, but, you know, so still always they just somehow always maintain a fresh feel. Mm-hmm. You know, even with like against young bands and stuff, they're still coming in like heavy and hard, but still like really good songwriting, you know, and it's just, there's no crazy solos or anything, but, you know, just good songwriting. So I think that's what makes them stand out for me, you know? Yeah. And I was actually curious, I, I, I'm not familiar with the phrase Koi no Yokan. So I looked it up and it's actually kind of a cool concept. I don't know if, if you looked this up or not either, but, um, it, the way it's defined is that it's the sense that two people can have upon first meeting that they're going to fall in love. So it's not necessarily love at first sight, but it's the realization that you're going to fall in love with that person eventually. So I thought right. that was sort of an interesting concept. Yeah, yeah. I, the album is definitely like deep and emotional. Like, um, like you mentioned, there's a couple tracks that really stand out where they just have like um, – you know, a somber feel to it, but like kind of beautiful, you know? Um, but still like they can maintain like the raw heavy guitars, like the guitar work I thought was, you know, really stood out on this even more than, I mean, it's their traditional style of like Steven's guitar, you know, he has his like style of writing, but, um, the tones, like he's really into the sound, like the tones of his guitar. And, um, they're always experimenting. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that, but all of their albums are written in different keys. And hmm. I never knew that. So Steven has all of his guitars. He's got like 
tons of guitars, but like, you know, three or four at a clip that are tuned differently. Hmm. Um, so we'll be like, yep, this is for, you know, adrenaline, these four guitars. So they're all tuned like half step downs. And I never knew that. I was like, wow. So it, it, that, that in itself changes the whole vibe of the albums. Yeah. They write in different keys. And I was like, that's insane. I never thought about that, you know? That is interesting. So, um, I, I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, his guitar tech's busy. I mean, he, he's got like 15 different guitars for their sets, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy. I mean, uh, so um, I, I saw them recently, and they were just so tight. Yeah, I was I was blown away. It was awesome. Yeah. I've never caught them live. I, I just missed them when they played a couple months ago. I just couldn't go. I think we we're actually recording this show, and I wasn't able to go. But um, I definitely, hopefully, will check them out on on this upcoming tour that they're about to embark on. But so obviously, we're both fans of Deftones, and we it seems like we both wholeheartedly approve of this album. So if you're a fan of the Deftones, definitely go ahead and check out Koi No Yokan. Yeah, A plus, A plus. I'll, yes. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I am generally indifferent to the Deftones, but because I have um, such high respect for you, Jim, and because um, Wolfenstein edits the podcast, uh, <laughs> I will. It, uh, both of you email me a, a, a few tracks, or, or not the tracks real, but like some tracks I should check out or a whole record, and I will give them a listen uh, for next week and tell you what I think with fresh ears. Uh, no preconceived uh, ideas going into it. I, I will, I'll listen to it like it's a new band, and I'll tell you guys what I think. All Just right. cool, solely yeah. based on how much you like them. Cool. I actually have a, a couple friends that feel the same way, um, and we uh, we went down to Florida. A batch of uh, there was like five of us. We went down to Florida to to like a three eleven fest. It was like three days on an Indian uh, campground. And Deftones are playing too, which we were super excited for, but it was more of like a reggae rock fest, you know? So there was a lot of like kind of ska reggae bands that match 311's reggae style, but, um, you know, also had the heavier sounds that, so there's like some heavier bands, but Deftones are there. And I saw them there for this huge fest, and I'm like, you know, all right, we're going to go see the Deftones. You know, I hear a guitar like playing like, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, oh, it's them. Uh, it's definitely Deftones, like, doing a sound check. And we were right camped near the stage, so we went over there and we watched uh, a couple songs of them play, and, like, no one was there because they were just sound checking. Hmm. And uh, it was a campground, you know, so for people had to take, like, tram cars to get over for, like, <laughs> little, uh, like, hayride, hayride-style, uh, you know, tractors to get over to the to the area. But anyway, we... um we saw them play like a couple tracks just like jam during the day. And, um, it was just funny to like one of my, one of my friends was like, yeah, I don't want to go see them. Like, I don't care. You know, it's all the same and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, you know, me and my buddy Paul are like huge death tennis fans. We're like, no way, man, we're going to che go check it out. But so if he heard the new album, I feel like he'd be like, Oh, it's death tunes, you know? Um, cause it is death tunes, but I think this one uh, sounds very mature. Yeah, I would say so too. Maybe what we'll do is uh, maybe you and I, Jim, maybe we'll just real quick via email over the next day or two put together like a few tracks and then I'll make a playlist and, and give it to Dynamo and he can go ahead and, and take a listen to that. 
Cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, cool. Well, it looks like you're you're actually almost faded from this picture, so I'm I'm actually afraid to keep you very much longer. I don't want you to, uh, you know, disappear from the space time continuum altogether. Oh, oh, so uh, there are some librarians here for you. <laughs> like, you have a, do you have a book out late? <laughs> a bunch are of they in the Volkswagen bus? Are they in the oh, four cylinder Volk, Volkswagen yeah. bus? <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, they those aren't for you. Those aren't librarians, my friend. Oh, you know, I have a late book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before these librarians uh, uh, come for us, we, we better go ahead and, and get set things right here and, and let you go about your mission and uh, make sure you do not disappear from the space-time continuum because that would be a shame. We don't want to be responsible for depriving the world of new teal music. That would not be good to have on our hands. <laughs> awesome. No, you guys are a blast, man. Love talking to you guys. It's always fun. Jim, thank you once again for joining us here on Trick or Treat Radio, and we'll we'll make sure next time when you're not in a mission, we'll set some some time aside, and, and we'll just have uh, we'll just shoot the shit. If you want to hang out for a whole episode or something, we can do that. We'll we'll work together with you, and we'll, we'll figure out another time that uh, we can get you on the on the show. Sounds good, guys. Thank you again for having me. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. All right, take care, guys. I'm off. Well, good luck to Jim and his mission, because uh, we definitely do not want to deprive the world of more teal music. So, Absolutely. hopefully. He can uh, complete his mission and stay away from the librarians. They, yeah, they actually were librarians. He had uh, Stephen King's Under the Dome, <laughs> and uh, the the latest the latest um, uh, Fifty Shades of Twilight out. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure that was Jim's? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, it was uh, it was nice for Jim to join us. I know he didn't have a ton of time. He was. Uh, had this very important mission to take care of, but it was nice of him to stop by for that. So we uh, we have a couple other things here to to, to get to. We can let, let's hit these real quick because I know we've been building up this this huge list of stuff to talk about, and I honestly don't want that list to keep getting bigger and bigger for next yeah. week. So let's hit a couple of these things real quick here, Dynamo. I don't know if I don't know if Tiny saw this yet, but uh, this past week. There was a the new World War Z trailer debuted online. So obviously, you know, most of you guys are probably familiar that about the book that was written by Max Brooks, mm-hmm. son sort of, of Mel Brooks. Yep, absolutely. Sort of the follow up to the the zombie survival guide in a sort of a loose sequel way, I guess. I don't need, I don't even know if you can consider it a sequel. But um, have you seen this yet, Tony? I haven't. No, I actually have it streaming right now. Okay. Well, Tiny will watch it, and, and me and Dynamo will go ahead and give our, our opinion. Do you want to go ahead, uh, Dynamo? I've watched it twice, and literally, yeah. like, both times I had a, a different opinion of it. Um, and I think it came down to the first time I watched it. I watched it on my phone, um, and I thought it, I, I was pretty excited for it. And then the second time I watched it, um, I watched it on my monitor, and mm-hmm. um, I'm not as jacked for it. Um, I... I, I Granted, it's kind of only a teaser trailer, um, but I, I I feel like I'll tell you there's one thing that pissed me off, and it's the fucking zombie anthill. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't cool in, in Hell Driver, and it's even less cool here. Like, how do they expect yeah. me to have any, like, drama and, you know, suspension of belief when, like, zombies are fucking making anthills to climb up things? Mm. <laughs> Um, so like it, it just, uh, for me, 
I, you know, I won't lie, especially not to our amazing listeners. I'm going to go see World War Z, even if, even if even if they show me a hundred trailers of a hundred things I hate. I, I very much doubt that I won't go see it, but um, I'm I'm not as of right now excited for it. And, th- and that said, I'm I'm a pretty big Brad Pitt fan, so um, you know, a, as of now, I would I'd give the trailer about a C. Yeah, I, I'm I'm probably right along there with you. I, I have read the book and it's hard to say that book won't necessarily translate to a great movie. I don't think there's a lot of cool stuff in it, but it it can be slow at times. And I just don't know how they're going to go ahead and, and, and make a movie out of that book. You know, if, if people have read the book, it's, I imagine it would be hard to do. It's, it's sort of more like an HBO series or something Mm -hmm. like that. You know, the impression I get is that they might be taking a part of the book. Yeah. That's what I assume that they will probably do. You know, they, they're always, I mean, there's only one, and I'm sure if there's a ton of money behind this, Mr. Brooks will write more. But, I mean, the as soon as you put a book on the table and carve out the, you know, start, start getting the whittling knife in it to make it a film, like your thoughts aren't so much of how am I going to get this into one film. It's, it's usually how can I stretch this into three. Yeah, and... Tony, let me get your thoughts on it real quick because you just you just watched it just now. Yeah, I just finished it. It looks, I mean, first of all, it looks real. Good. There's obviously money behind it. Um, I don't like fast zombies, so I guess yeah. I mean, again, like Dynamo said, I, I'm gonna go watch it. I'll watch it in the theater, but I'm not a big. Fa- I'm a I'm a fan of shambling zombies that you you know get overwhelmed by because you're stupid, um, like in the real world. Um, fast zombies just uh, they don't really do it for me. But I guess yeah. We'll we'll see. The trailer, the trailer is the trailer. It doesn't look too spectacularly exciting or anything. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe with uh, obviously, you know, I was listening to you guys and not the trailer, so yeah. Maybe with audio, it would be a little different. But it it, it looks okay to me. It, to, you know, to me, it it resembles a disaster movie that just happens to have zombies in it and and not you know some major cataclysmic disaster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I mean. It looks like it looks like it could. It's like it looks like a zombie blob, to be honest. Like, yeah, there there's never like a, an isolated zombie. It just looks like they travel in packs, and it it, it, it honestly looked like the blob to me. You know, like yeah. it could it could have been anything. It, it, it I don't. I, I hope they they flesh that out a little bit more because that's obviously like the the main part of the story. And I'm sure it's, it's just a trailer, so it's really hard to gauge, but. Yeah, we're, we'll all be there on opening night, I'm sure. But um, I, I don't think the trailer did much to really, you know, make people uh, to blow us away, really. So yeah, is uh, a shamblers? Um, I, I know, I know, we don't have any love for the undead in real life, but are, are shamblers, you guys' favorite cinematic zombies? Uh, for me, yes, absolutely. And I know Tony said so. so yeah. I, I don't like fast moving zombies either, which is the main reason I didn't like uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. So they're not mine. Um, but I don't. But I. It's not the um, Dawn of the Dead remake ones that I I like. I, I like uh, my favorite, and they're the and it's because they're the ones that scare me the most. Uh, I send more cop zombies. Yeah, that's yeah. from uh, Return of the Living Dead. That's like easily, in my opinion, those are the zombies that. Um, that will 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 fuck you. <laughs> Literally. Well, maybe, but like I, I feel like if those zombies came, that will bring about a zombie apocalypse. 
I feel like if, at least in the United States of America or, you know, like, uh, um, you know, civilized parts of the world, like, you know, most of Europe and stuff like that, like, I don't, I don't think if, you know, and granted there never will be because there's an us, but I don't think that an outbreak of Romero style zombies would throw the world into the flux that, um, you know, the walking dead series is in, for instance. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I just think that, I don't know, like you think that those fucking zombies are going to run afoul in the Bronx. Well, the thing is, and once again, as we're famous for doing, this could potentially balloon out to be like of a course. huge conversation, yeah. but, but I mean, it all depends on how the virus is spread initially. Yeah. If it, if it's like 90% of the population, then you're fucked no matter what. But right. if it just starts out really small, yeah. if it's just one... But it has one... to get that way to 90%. No, and I know. I mean, if it was like a nuclear sort of disaster or sure. or something that like a bomb was dropped or something in the water supply or something like that, mm-hmm. then it's going to affect a lot of people. If it's just like if it was like patient zero, there's one person and then it spreads from there, yeah. I, I definitely think a Romero-style one could be contained very easily. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Mayberry wrote an amazing book um, uh I think someone in our organization uh, consulted with him in it. It's called um, Zombie CSU. That's about uh, Patient Zero, Day One of that mm. sort of outbreak. And it's not it's not a fiction book. It's like a a uh, you know like a real forensics uh, and military and scientific pathology look at like how it would be contained or not contained at at that moment. Right. Hmm. That so sounds I, yeah, I highly recommend it. He he's a great writer. I love everything he's done, but but that's a that's a hell of a hell of a reference tool right there. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, it, we've obviously dealt with uh with, you know, threats and we've been able to take care of them so it doesn't spread. So we've seen that sort of thing, but you know, if it was sort of an all-out thing, I think we'd be fucked. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I but think about it. If the if the send more cops zombies came yeah yeah you know that those things would fucking spread faster than a milbury girl on prom night like there's no there's no chance that that would like overtake the world so fast like it, it would be you know, they set up roadblocks like you can't mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. kill them you have to burn them do you know how hard it is to burn a human being you know like <laughs> yeah yeah you know god god intervened and tried to stop james Hep- james hetfield before he made any more damage and, and like he couldn't do that so like at, at, at the end of the day like you know it's hard to burn a real life person <laughs> without them taking a bite of you first definitely yeah sure and even if they you know that what's going to happen if you use a flamethrower then you're just going to end up on fire and they may end up out or you know it's it's just too hard i i hate you know we classify zombies like that in in real life and it's usually a supernatural reason that a zombie gets like that uh Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, normally the chemical zombies are very similar to the romero style zombies and the cursed zombies that are the most common zombies are just like people that are dead and that just depends on how you know terribly decomposed they are Mm -hmm. um or what happened when they die or how they died um but for the most part there are whole communities of dead people living right under your feet that you may not even realize are, are dead people, depending on how good they are at hiding it. But God, man, like one, one send more cop zombie, like is a, is a handful for a, a group of experienced monster hunters, let alone yeah. a, like dozens or hundreds 
or hundreds that scene in Return of the Living Dead where they come fucking tearing around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, part of my French, I've been trying to, uh, Miss Matrix and Legal has made me try to curb by swearing, but like, oh my god, that's a terrifying scene, and that's a funny movie, but like, that's terrifying! That's mm-hmm. so scary for me! You know, like, that's that's my favorite right there. Like, I, I think that the, it's because, uh, it, it might be because of makeup and because of the preconceived knowledge that you, you know, I couldn't come around the corner with a with, with a Gatling gun and take all them down. Um, you know, like that's it. That's done. That's like a, a giant shark, and you're in the ocean. You're eaten. Let Let's bring this around full circle a little bit. If If we were in blood pigs, would you eat a zombie flesh? No. Who thinks that's a good idea? <laughs> what about with noodles? <laughs> Maybe Chef Gorady, like we said, <laughs> zombie jerky. <laughs> All right. Well, you, you want you also wanted to to mention. So that's World War Z. Uh, obviously, it began as a book. Now let's talk about an actual book. You wanted to bring one up here, Dynamo, that you've been reading lately. Oh, yeah, I love it. Uh, in fact, I would generally be done with a book of this length, but I'm really enjoying I, I I've been taking it about two chapters a day and, and putting them down and reading it because of uh, uh, because of the way it's written. It's written by Brian Keene and Nick McManus. And I, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing at least Mr. McManus' uh, name incorrectly. Um the name of the book is The Damned Highway, Fear and Loathing in Arkham. And I won't go into, you know, uh, going into incredible detail like our boy Michael Ravenshadow isn't my thing, but I will give you the elevator pitch. Um, imagine if you took the gonzo journalism style of Hunter S. Thompson and stuck it in the middle of a Lovecraftian conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And there you go. And it's, it's brilliant because... Um, it gives his other books a funny context because he's starting to meet other people that can see his crazy trips, uh, making him realize that maybe they're real after all. Mm. So it's 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 really good and it's really witty and and I, sh- I sh- by all rights should be done. It's 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 less than three hundred pages long, but I highly recommend this book. I love all Brian Keene stuff, but um, this is a, this is a, a a really good book. As as a big fan of Thompson and a huge fan of Lovecraft, like this was a match made in heaven for me, and and I'm. I may be biased because of that, because it's two of my favorite tastes of all time. Um, but like, would you, I love would you say it's like chocolate and peanut butter? Yeah, I would. I would. <laughs> it's, it's this, this is like, you know, uh, the, I think a, a Grafton girl threesome is the only thing I'd like more than, than, uh, HB Lovecraft and Hunter S. Thompson. So in it, and that may be a close toss up. This is a great book, like the, or a great idea that, all of his weaknesses are, and it has a few weaknesses. Uh, nobody can write in that style, you know, unless you've actually been doing cocaine and mescaline for four days, mm-hmm. um, you know, and are a fucking genius like Thompson was. But like, you know, once you get past that initial distraction, that the voice, if you will, isn't exactly right. Um, you'll, if you let yourself go to this book, you'll, you'll have a hell of a time. It's by Dark Horse Comics. I got mm-hmm. the trade paperback uh, edition um, in. Uh, from Amazon uh, for my birthday earlier this year. And um, it's, 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 it's a, I highly, I've seen another edition, I think, but I highly recommend this edition just because of the way uh, it's, it's in the, it's in the same size and format in the way that I originally discovered Thompson's books. Um, and, and it's awesome. It's, it's, it's a great read. Um, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a, it's very fun and, and you'll tear through it. And is, uh, is this a funny book? Nope. It's a real life, honest to goodness book. With Contrary and, to popular with belief, words I can't and words? read. Yep. With words and words. Yep. <laughs> and each one, 
real, 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 real quick. Let me go through. Each one has a uh, like a fear and loathing style um, chapter name. Mm-hmm. Uh, cha- chapter two is Uncle Bolo buys a ticket, takes the ride. Road dog for the gods of bad karma. I read the news today. Oh boy, the revenge of Jack Kirby. A sugar, go- a sugar for every pot. That's intense. Yeah. So, Tony, you're not a big fan of Brian Keene, though, are you? Aren't I'm, re- you? I'm really not, but I'm, p- I'm poking at this on the Amazon, like, look inside piece right now. It looks it looks good. It looks okay. Yeah. He's also Some, only read one book. There's a couple other books I think he, he might, you know, he just I only, he didn't like I, that type of zombie. I started one book, yeah. It, yeah. I found that a little goofy, and I, I guess I wasn't in the mood for it. If I knew what to expect, maybe I would have maybe I would have kept going with it. I, 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 this is embarrassing, but his favorite book. Well, the book that you didn't like might so might be my favorite book by his. But um, another book I like quite a bit is called Ah Crap. Uh, what a strange ah, name! No, this, <laughs> is it meant to be pronounced like that? Uh, I, I I can't I cannot remember the title, and I and I have everything closed, so I'm not going to do the Google search. Um, but I'll put it in the show notes for sure. But it's basically um, prehistoric like Neanderthal men that live on an island where they happen to be savage prehistoric. Uh, Neanderthal men that live on an island where they happen to decide to shoot Survivor. Hmm. Would that be Castaways? Um, no, I don't think it is. Okay, I just looked at a list, so let's. It, it may be, but uh, yes, it is Castaways. Actually, that was the name of the show. I actually had originally uh, heard about it under another name, but Castaways is the name of the show, not that like. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. So. Um, I got confused because they were obviously brought there and not castaways. But uh, yeah, it's it, that's that's a great book. Uh, he Keen writes in a style not particularly in the damned highway, but Keen writes in a style that lends itself to be a movie, and they really play out. and It's it's a really breezy prose, and and I I like him quite a bit. He, he I, I I am going to reach out as soon as I can figure out a way to get in touch with him directly because um, I hate dealing with literary agents and those assholes. And I I know if if I wait for uh, Raven Shadow, one of those guys to do it. We'll we'll be waiting for a hundred years. So I, I'm going to try to find Brian Keene and get him on this radio show so I can tell him how how great I think he is. All right, that would be awesome. So let's see what else we have here on this list. Um, you also wanted to talk about. I assume this will be a quick hit. So you wanted to talk about Juan of the Dead. Yeah, I, I'd like you guys to watch this so we can talk about it actually all together. Um, it's not on instant. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you guys can, if you guys can track it down, um, you know, in, in the ne- various nefarious ways that people can, or, or just actually have a Netflix envelope sent to them, um, it's, it was a good little zombie movie. Um, it, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a little. Um, it was made in Cuba, um, mm-hmm. so some of the politics was lost on me. Um, so it might be funnier to somebody even smarter than me. But the politics I did understand, uh, and, you know, in the satire that bled from that was very funny. Um, I thought it was very well shot. I thought the main, I thought the acting was all really solid. Um, it was a little, uh, homophobic, which turned me off at times, um, at least in its, its depiction of characters. But even, even the characters, which were depicted a little poorly were, um, were, um, were fucking awesome characters in the context of the story. Um, they, they all kicked ass in their own way. Um, including the guy, the very flamboyantly gay guy that kind of looked like Pinky Sanchez that um, was killing was killing zombies with a slingshot. <laughs> and his giant, his giant, tiny Liston style boyfriend that couldn't see gore, um, but he was so like he'd throw up if he saw pass out if he sees a drop of blood, but he wears a, a 
they blindfold him and he just wades the zombies as a killing machine. Um, <laughs> Sounds it, good. It was yeah. It was this was a fun a fun zombie movie and it had just the right amount of. There's a certain. Uh, I'm sure it won't. I'm, I'm clashing heads with everybody in the world right now because of this. But there's a certain style of testosterone that just kind of turns me off in this day and age. And it was kind of prevalent in our in our formative years. You know, I mentioned ECW earlier in a lot of the stuff in the '90s comics and stuff like that. So like, I'm not that into like the Ash knockoffs these days. But this is more of a uh, uh, a brain dead style, dead alive, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know type hero you know a flawed mm-hmm. hero but it had just the right amount of balls to be like to believe it to you know to be like like Juan is a guy that we would probably hang out with you know <laughs> would so, you put it would you put it on par with uh plague of zombie mutant more mutant zone um, Mutant zone sorry yeah it is better than plague of zombie but not as good as plague of zombie mutant zone okay at least for niche it's a, it's a way better looking movie in a way better shot movie but yeah. uh, there, there are a few zombie films I enjoy more than Plague of Zombie Mutant Zone yeah uh, and that was also filmed in uh, 2001 on video so yeah. right right um, but it was it was much much better than 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 the original Plague of Zombie uh, which I don't have those films anymore somebody stole them from me and I'm having a, a, a bitch of a time getting the edition which had both both movies on them hmm. um, that's too bad but yeah. what was was this a um, Plague of Zombie Mutant Zone. What uh, what country was that? Argentina, Argentina, right? Yeah, yeah. So. It so, was Argentina. Well, let's. Well, I don't have another South American, but I think we should do a trifecta here. There was a 2005 film called Evil. It's a Greek film. Um, sure. It might I, be, I like uh, that. It. I'll, I'll spell it. I'll try to pronounce it, and then I'll spell it for the audience here. Tokako, which is T O space K A K O. That's the closest thing we can come in English letters here. But, yeah, um, it's released in America as evil, so don't give too it, people too much of an aneurysm. I, I guess so, but go go do a search for evil and try to come up with this film. That's all I'm <laughs> oh, saying. Yeah, good, good point. Good point. Um, good. So um, I, I say I say trifecta. Why don't we try to find Plaga Zombie Mutant Zone? Watch that again. Uh, the uh, Evil from 2005 and uh, One of the Dead. That'd be a good. Uh, yeah. Why don't we do Why don't we do a, a special? Right here. Well, I can't do it. I can't do it Saturday. I'm 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 having more work done, if you will. But uh, uh, why why don't we do? Why don't we make it a special, like a, a whether we do it during our normal week or in and just have it be the three of us or whatever else. But why don't we do a a a a a, a Latino zombie uh, special? Um, well, I guess the Greeks. I don't know what that would be. Not American. <laughs> no, they. <laughs> They could be uh, they could be honorary Latino. <laughs> you know what? Let's uh, let's let's hammer this out a little bit more this week. But let's let's yeah. do a trio of uh, a foreign zombie movies. We'll each pick one. Yeah, and then we'll do it. We'll watch them, and then uh, maybe what we can do is all get in the same. So room. you're jettisoning Tiny's idea right now? <laughs> no, I'm essen- I'm essentially taking it and stealing it uh-huh. and making and making it different because. Well, I guess we don't have to all pick one. I, I like Pl- Plague of Zombie Mutant Zone. We've all seen it. I wouldn't mind seeing it again, especially to hear the John West song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am interested in One of the Dead. So, yeah, w- whatever. We can we can do... Uh... And Evil's not bad. I, I, I would like to see it again. I saw it when I was... Actually, I saw it last time I had a little bit of uh, work that made me be on painkillers, so I, I didn't see it with, with good eyes. Come to think of it, that's how I saw One of the Dead, too, so I might be completely full of shit. <laughs> There's something, there's something that these things have in common. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's budget and the fact that it's it's like a very um, 
a very like sort of country centric take on the zombie sure. thing. Like Evil is a very very Greek movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're not they're not filming an American movie or an mm. English movie in Greece. They're right. filming a Greek movie, which is cool. And likewise, the Argentinian Argentinian take on the zombies with Plaga's um, uh, Plaga Zombie Mutant Zone. Mutant Zone. It's, yeah, there's there's something. I guess I guess that it's just uh, unabashedly you know mm. um, nationalist. You know, it's yeah. they're, they're not playing to. To a global market, they're making they're mm-hmm. making their their own folks, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and what's neat about it is that we've talked about uh, um, Japanese zombies movies, mm-hmm. and uh, we've talked about Italian zombies at, at, at nauseum uh, mm-hmm. at, at, on the show. You know, so it it would be, you know, there there definitely takes, and I think Evil and Juan both have in common the an air of political subtext to them that definitely that, you yep. know yep. make them at least a little smarter. So so let's 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 pop that. We will let you monkeys at home know when we're going to do this, but this will be a, another another special show. I'm I'm springing on Wolfenstein. It will probably be in our normal feed, but uh, it will be a little different format on that day, and you guys will fucking love it because it will be us three talking about movies, and it will be uh, maybe we'll get Monster Zero involved, um, but it, it's it's going to be great. This is the best thing I've ever done for you guys, so you're welcome. <laughs> I hate you guys. It's okay. You sound like Raven Shadow. You're welcome. No, you, no, are, this are is you, Rick's. You're welcome. Are you sauced up too? <laughs> Here come. All right. Well, I think you know what. Let me just mention this real quick because if we bring it up next week, it's not going to be relevant, and I don't want to have a discussion. But uh, they did announce who the writer, who the screenwriter for the new Star Wars Episode Seven is going to be, and his name is Michael Arndt. A A R N D T. Arndt. Arndt. I don't know how they say it, but you, you aren't pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> you're, you're probably right. <laughs> and uh, so, if you aren't familiar with him, who I, I was not familiar with, <laughs> yep, <laughs> we could keep going with this. <laughs> he he has written uh, Little Miss Sunshine and Toy Story Three, both of which were nominated for. Oscars, and he is the first person in the history of film to be nominated for an Oscar for his first two scripts. So that's pretty impressive, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, if th- this guy knows how to write, so that's the kind of person you need. I think you need someone like that, and not someone who is a sci-fi writer. There was there was a huge like outcry by Star Wars fans of wanting somebody who's written sci-fi or understands sci-fi, but Star Wars is a human story. We've had this discussion and, and that's what matters is, is the dialogue and the characters. And I, I, you know, to me, that's, that's paramount. It doesn't matter if you understand sci-fi or not. And yeah, this guy, I, I think that they're more fantasy anyway. That's, yeah. Yeah. I agree. And this guy's going to do his homework, whether he knows about it or not, you know, a good screenwriter is going to research and, I'm sure these are going to be very well written and it's probably better than having Lucas or a no name or somebody else out there. Who's a New York times bestseller or whatever. This is probably Mm -hmm. the best thing for it. Yeah. I'm into it. I think that sounds like a great idea. Definitely. He he may be a huge Star Wars fan. You know, he may, he may be a huge nerd fan. Like there's a big, there's a, there's a predominant thing amongst nerds because you don't have nerdy output that you don't like what we like. Like people that write, you know, other things that they're not nerds. They don't nerds write nerd stuff. 
So this guy might be the best qualified guy for the job, and, he, and he's going to burst on the scene, you know, like a money shot, and it's going to be great. I, I, can, I can definitely see it working. I like, I like that idea. Yeah, and he also the movie isn't out yet, but he's also he also wrote the screenplay for the next Hunger Games movie, Catching mm-hmm. Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see the first one. I'm not really interested, but I mean, you know, obviously this guy they wouldn't hire him if if he if he couldn't do a big budget, you know, big big movie. So yeah. Oh, and th- fine. This this is interesting. He also wrote the screenplay for the Phineas and Ferb movie coming out in 2014. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Does he know Phineas T. Ferb? I don't know. There's a hundred days of summer vacation. That's some serious credentials. Wow, what a follow up. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I hear I hear I hear Phineas Phineas T. Ferb. I have the uh I can't even say it now. I have that fucking TV show, uh which is a very good TV show title song stuck in my head because uh it came on right after Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which got cancelled this week. So uh or, or it ended its run. It didn't get cancelled, which I'm really sad about. Best show on television. Yeah, that was another thing I had on here to to mention, so bring that up. There it is. Yep, there it is. And all right, well, I think we're going to have to wait another week for VHS because that's something I don't want to gloss over really quickly. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. have, Like have I said, had... it's going to be called Blu-ray by the time we get to it. <laughs> exactly. Have you had a chance to see it yet, Tiny? Uh, no, not yet. Okay, good. Well, we'll wait then, and I'd like to get you in on that, that conversation. The one thing we forgot to mention when Raven Shadow was on that I'd like to just mention real quick here is, you know, just to sort of bookend our our week of sadness here. So we also lost somebody in the community uh, around the Necronomicon area who was a friend to all of us, really, to the Deadites and to the extended Deadites family. Uh, Roger Anderson, the owner of Music Quest, an awesome, awesome comic book store, uh, passed away this week. Uh, pretty sad. He was 61 years old. Uh, I think he died of pneumonia. Mm. And all of us used to go into Roger's store one time or another, pick up comics, uh, pick up CDs, albums, uh, toys, T-shirts, whatever. And he was always a really cool guy, really welcoming, really nice. And, and it, it's a shame that uh, that he's no longer with us. So, yeah, I I um. If I can say real quick, um, I didn't always get along with Roger, but you know what? That dude loved comics, and he he pretty much ran a he, he pretty much ran a business to support his comic store. He loved comics so much, and that will all, that always made him at the end of the day all right with me. And I'm gonna miss him like crazy. Um, don't let petty grudges uh, you know uh, stop you from talking to people that you enjoy because someday it might be too late. And I I, I will miss you very much, Roger. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a shame. I hadn't seen the man in in quite a few years, and it was very surreal being at the wake and you know open casket, seeing him. It was cool seeing him wear his Superman t shirt, though. I, I will commend uh, him for for doing that. Definitely. Did he have his hat on? Uh, his hat was sitting uh, like on his mm. chest. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would have lost my shit. Yeah, it was uh, pretty sad, and I got to hang out with some of the guys that used to hang out at the store. So. Uh, that was really cool, Bobo and 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 Mario, and uh, you know obviously Raven Shadow was there as well. So, uh, just wanted to bring that up. It's it's a shame, and he was a good guy, and it's a shame that we lost someone so awesome. So, yeah, that, that's it for the sadness, and that's going to pretty much wrap up Trick or Treat Radio here. So, thank you for tuning in to episode sixteen. 
Tiny, thanks for joining us again. Hopefully, uh, I know you've been busy working on some new Deadite songs, so hopefully you can join us again next week. Absolutely. Happy to do it. And uh, Dynamo, why don't you go ahead and uh, take us out of here? Everybody, when we get off the air here, just take a minute. Uh, if you got an awesome hat, put it on your chest and say goodbye to our friend Roger Anderson for us. Um, somewhere right now, Roger is sitting reading a comic book with the best cat in the world, uh, Snickers, on his lap. Remember, children, wherever you go, there you are. Thank you for tuning in to Trick or Treat Radio. We will see you next week. Without you, words come as slow as flowers grow in silent dreams. Without the fears, without the fears, if love is seldom gold.